0: Hello there and welcome back to Force Perspectives for part six of our Obi-Wan Kenobi Retrospective, the final chapter in our Obi-Wan Kenobi Retrospective. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, uh, as always, for our Obi-Wan Kenobi Retrospective, my uh, my stalwart and steadfast co-host, Marty Alman. Marty, I we have no time. There is zero time to mess around on this episode because we have... An incredible episode of what we wanted to talk about. But before we get into that, we have to talk about this trailer. So you and I are we usually record on Monday nights. We've actually been pretty good about it, right? Like we like and mm-hmm. it's only six episodes, so it wasn't a huge commitment, but we've both managed to be like, okay, Monday nights, Monday night, Monday night, Monday night. And then and you know, we had the the one week break in in the middle, but um, but that was sort of planned for, so, uh, so it's all good. But then last night, both of us were like, it's not happening tonight. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is not happening. Um, just for a variety of reasons. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's funny because I was, I was a little bit like, "Ugh, I don't, I like, I haven't watched the episode yet. This was like yesterday in the afternoon. I'm like, I haven't watched the episode yet. I'm gonna have to figure out a time to do that. I'm gonna have to like sit in my office and watch it on my computer monitor, which is not listen, listen. That's not a chore. I have two 4K monitors in for, for work, so I because what I do is visual, so like I need nice high def, like not high def 4K um, displays in order in order to do my job. So I, I absolutely could have watched it, but it, the chair is not as comfy as 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 the couch, and the TV in the living room is you know 70 inches. So I I you know like I, I would rather watch on that course but I uh, but I was like okay I, I, was like, oh, I guess I'll have to figure out how to make this work and then I sort of messaged you and it was a little bit like yeah I don't know I haven't watched it yet and you're like yeah I haven't watched it yet either and I was like cool we should probably record tomorrow
1: <laughs> and it
0: <laughs> yes. it made sense it made sense for us to put it off a day it's the final episode it's not that big of a deal um, and then we wake up this morning to I uh, a ridiculous trailer for Ahsoka. I uh, that just works in
1: mysterious ways, as you put it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely. We were not meant to record last night. We were meant, we were meant to record tonight, so that we could talk about this trailer. Um, just like broad strokes on this. So, uh, I mean, like a lot of this is stuff that we've already seen that we saw at Celebration. Um, uh, just in terms of like, like, like general content of it is, is stuff that we've already seen, but this is the first trailer that's really given us a hint at what this story is about. And, um, and interestingly, this trailer puts Sabine center stage almost as the main character of the series, which I think is very interesting and not what has been indicated previously, right? Um, it, it felt the trailers before felt very much like this was a show. And it turns out that actually it looks like this, like the, like a lot of this story is going to be about Sabine as well. Um, and, and, and a big part of that is that it appears that Sabine at some point was, ahsoka's apprentice i'm not going to say the word padawan because i don't think that that's necessarily appropriate here um but but certainly an apprentice um this is super interesting because there are indicators in star wars rebels that sabine is more than a little bit force sensitive right there is a line in the in in the trailer from one of these um, these faux Sith, uh, whatever they are these 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 Dark Jedi, yeah, where princess. she says, "You have no power, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, but but listen, I mean, like when bad guys say things, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, like when Kanan was was training Sabine with the dark there were moments there were, there were definite indications that she is. And this is the thing for sensitive. Is she like, is her midichlorian count high enough to register and would she have been taken in as a, as a youngling uh, who knows? Right. Um, and I don't know that we'll necessarily get a clear answer in that way, but um, I've talked about it on the podcast a, a bunch of times for sensitivity. First of all, the first time I ever saw the term force sensitive was on a decipher trading card for the original Star Wars uh it was they weren't TCGs back then they, it was the Star Wars CCG customizable card game um, and it was on Han Solo's card where it said that he was force sensitive and what that basically was attributed to was like his luck right Han Scott got that that knack for you know, he bangs on the Falcon and it works right. Like that sort of thing. Um, but the indication there of like, well, he's an incredible pilot and you know, uh, everything always seems to work out pretty well for him. It, there must be an aspect that he's tapped into the force in some way because it, it, it flows through all of us. Everyone is connected to the force. Right. Um, I was bringing it back to this In the rise of Kylo Ren. There's a, there's a a scene where, where uh, some of Luke's uh, uh, trainees, his, his uh, 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 apprentices at at his Academy are, are they're training and they're, they're talking about like, yeah, but like, you know, it's, it's so much easier for Ben and, and uh, you know, like, like we can't do what he can do sort of thing. We can't do what you can do and Luke explains it this way. It's like where it's like the force is not like it's, 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 it's not a, it's not a power that you have. Right. It's a, it's like a door. And for some people, the door is open a crack. And for other people, the door is wide open. And so it like, like you just, you have to work at it, but anybody can open the door sort of thing right like anybody anybody can access it with training and with focus but for some people it's just naturally that 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 doorway is just naturally more open and it flows more freely so um and as we know of course that comes with consequences right i for anakin for ben solo like it's it's not uh it, it's 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 uh, it's a gift and a curse, right? but of course. but there's something here that like Sabine is is obviously force sensitive in some way. Um, and and ahsoka tried to train her. but like the I think the other part of it is just like it's like it's very difficult to train an adult, right as opposed to a child like that a child's mind is open whereas an adult has already, you know, decided how the world works. So I think, uh, I think we'll see some of that conflict and we'll also see some of Ahsoka's inner conflict playing into that. But, uh, that, that's kind of, to me, that is the biggest takeaway from this trailer is that, that piece of information and that confirmation of, um, of that character's journey. Uh, we also get to see a lot of Sabi, of, uh, uh, Hera, Mm -hmm. um, we didn't get to see Jason, although we, we got a clear indication earlier this week that he will be in the series uh, mm-hmm. by by virtue of a Lego set that leaked. Um, yeah. A new Lego set of the Ghost, uh, specifically for Ahsoka, and it comes with Hera, Jason, uh, a um, a Mon Cal that I people were referring to as Quarry, but I don't think that he's labeled as Quarry. I think he's um, in, I don't think in the
1: trailer. You he, he may have yeah. seen him in the background in the trailer too. So maybe that guy. Yeah,
0: He might be, maybe he's like Corey jr. Or something like that. Right. I don't think that oh, he'll Corey's be cousins.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think he'll actually be Corey. Cause Corey had the beard. Right. But, um, and then, and then I think it comes with like one more figure, like a, like a rebel soldier or something like that. But um, uh, it's a beautiful set. Oh my God. I already own the ghost and both phantoms that they put out um and uh, i i'm buying this new one i'm getting the new one it's <laughs> it 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 has way more detail than the than than the one that came out back in whatever it was 2000 okay it's more refined or 17 or something like that yeah it it's it's there there's yeah there's it's um I think it's probably a little bit less playable. Like the 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 one that I've got is is a little bit more of a play set that like kinda opens up and has all these like like sort of little things inside and that sort of thing. But um Interesting. And it's also it is both it is both the the ghost and the Phantom. It looks like the Phantom too. I, uh, I, uh, but it might actually be a completely new phantom. We haven't really gotten a very clear look at it in this in the show yet. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think we've it's, actually it's, seen it's... the ghost really in the trailers, unless you know you count like her in the cockpit. But I don't actually. Uh, we've seen have...
0: we've seen the ghost, but we just I we've only seen the phantom in like these like really brief shots, like these brief flybys, and mostly from behind. So it's really right. it's really difficult to to. Gather whether or not it's um, it's it's the same one from, uh, the end of season two of of season four, right? The yeah. the, the the it's the the uh, the Neimoidian shuttlecraft, right? Yeah. That that they steal when they um when they fight all the battle droids, they they take it uh, and uh, and and refit it, right? But uh, I'm just I'm. I'm kind of going through frame by frame right now on the, on the trailer to try and find the shots with yeah, it. Yeah, it was too, but uh, I, it's kind of, it's hard to pinpoint.
1: It's a gorgeous Factual trailer f- though. I actual mean. Phantom. Oh my God. The,
0: the series looks incredible. One of the other, one of the other things to note is that we get our first glimpse and it's one of those like blink and you'll miss it type of moments, but it is absolutely 100% without a shadow of a doubt, an E-Wing which is uh, previously an expanded universe vehicle Ooh, um, I missed from, that one. from the, from the air to the empire series, right? The U wings are what they use to take down the, the world devastators.
1: Um, Give us a timestamp, which uh, where we're looking at. I'm curious now.
0: Oh, like around like just about a minute or maybe a little bit before it's the, okay. it's the shots with Sabine, with where Sabine's on the speeder bike. Oh, okay. Um,
1: that's, that's what we're talking about. Okay. I thought it was yeah, a, yeah. a, a so T-70. 50, uh, no, 50, 51, 52
0: Oh, when it you're comes right. In. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it is without a shadow of a doubt an E-Wing. Um,
1: 54 seconds, guys. 54 yeah, seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can, you can see it really, really clearly. And then you can see it again in the shot where she kind of like drops underneath. And, and by the way, that's Kanan's speeder bike. Like that's like that is right. Kanan's speeder bike from. Like she's repainted it, but it's a hundred percent Kanan's speeder bike as well, um, which which sort of has its own has its own design. Um, but she kind of like skids underneath it. So this is clearly like a new Republic ship of some kind. Um, and then that little the little droid kind of pops up at the end. And I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures online, yes. but this guy is uh, modeled after the Kenner the 1978 Kenner R2 D2 figure, yes, um, which was so not cool. screen accurate, but now <laughs> we have a droid that is screen accurate to that figure. I love it when they do stuff like this. It makes me so happy um, right. because it's not, it's not like they made it one-to-one, right? He's, he's got his own vibe. Um, but, uh, but he's a little bit, it's a little bit bridging the gap between R2 and BB-8 uh, in a really great way. Yeah. So, um yeah fantastic little droid there um we get to hear ezra's voice for the first time very exciting um so so that's a that's a that's a big component of this one um
1: everything is fantastic um (laughs) i watched it you talk you
0: talk for a bit because i've been talking a lot you go ahead yeah yeah
1: it's all good um my i watched it with my daughters and um i mean we're talking seven years old and two years old. And even the two year old was like Ahsoka, you know, so she yeah, was yeah. all about it. And so the girls are all into it, but like about the actual content of the trailer, um, I j- just seen Ray Stevenson and I, I really liked that they focused, uh, at least the beginning and, uh, some of the trailer on him, especially after what's happened to him. So, um, it's very just awesome. Just seeing more of him. And I'm intrigued to see what happens with him. What, um, Kind of like what you said regarding um the focus of the trailer being more about sabine i when it comes to these trailers i always am curious about what they're not showing us and there's a lot of similar sequences that we've seen over and over mm-hmm. again so um like the i think the most unique sequence that we saw in this new trailer is uh the Purgle scene and um, yeah because uh that that was so I mean, ahsoka's wearing a completely different outfit in that scene uh same same with sabine and, uh, you know, different just complete, you know, sets and whatnot. So that's one thing I noticed. Um, one of the things that actually, after my, I don't know, 12th time seeing it today, I kind of noticed during the um, scene with her, kind of in that, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the Hedgestone Circle, uh, Morgan Elspeth and the wannabe Sith, let's just call them for right now. Um, mm-hmm. And she uh, um, waves open the map and there's this green flame underneath the frame. I don't know if you caught that. And every time we ever see a green flame in Star Wars, um, kind of points to Night Sisters. And now mm-hmm. is Morgan Ellsworth a night sister, or at least from Dathomir, or just knows that magic. Um so that's kind of intriguing. Um, little uh, theory that uh, kind of popped in my head when I was watching this. But uh, yeah, there's the it's unmistakable, it's a green flame. So I'm like, you what's know going the on?
0: Yeah, the, I mean the colors of her outfit also indicate that, right? Yes. Um So, so you 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 might be right. This might this might be connected to to the Night Sisters. Um, yeah, but, um, I mean that's a, that's a good catch. That's a good catch for sure, because um, she's got that maroon color to her, right? So, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but these two, uh, the Ray Stevenson character and and the other one, they. They appear, or at least he appears to be a former Jedi, oh, right? Yeah. Well, like the way that he talks about Anakin.
1: Name dropped um, Anakin hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so like that says to me that like he was a Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's a, he's a fallen Jedi most likely, but um, I'll just, I will just confirm this is, this is absolutely the Phantom two. This is, this is the, the, the Neimoidian ship the the modded nemoidian ship um just just freeze framing it and looking at it from behind also looking at the cockpit which is a very like prequel era cockpit on the inside of it but the thing that tells me that it is that ship is um is the side compartment for chopper i uh which which is one of those another one of those like absolutely blink and you'll miss it um sort of moments but i uh yeah so there we go confirmed it is the phantom 2 so that oh, yeah, new Lego set I'm will have both on. of those.
1: That's oh yeah, there's Chopper. Yeah, <laughs> this is fun uh, doing an audio podcast and looking at a trailer visually. Anyway, yeah. um, everybody's
0: everybody's watched it a million times. Oh, of course, um, yeah. yeah.
1: But um, Hera, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This is our first real like glimpse at her uh, embodying the character as opposed to just you know a couple shots of her. Um, I really just love how they're leaning into the. Rebel sequel series um with this uh trailer and oh um, very much in the same tone as like what obi-wan kenobi did with uh uh, i mean it was an obi-wan kenobi show uh about obi-wan kenobi but it was also about leia it was also about riva i think that's what's going to happen with uh, sabine and Hera as well um i mean and come on jason so yeah
0: yeah, I don't. I don't anticipate that Jason will be in much of the series. I think that he'll. We'll see him maybe in the first episode or maybe in the last episode, sort of thing. I don't mm. think that he'll be around too much, at least in this first season. Um, maybe, maybe will. Oh yes, yeah, Sokka is in a different outfit. It looks like she's in like a flight suit of some kind. Um, yeah, in that, um, that second outfit.
1: Oh, but and then the uh, visual um, poetry of of uh, sabine cutting her hair uh in relation yeah. to kanan from uh, the finale like uh, the final season of rebels is just beautiful yeah. i can't believe i
0: dude i can't believe that we're gonna get to see i mean we got the little the little uh, easter egg i'm mean, not really an easter egg because i think it's an important plot point with the Purgle in um in mando season three but mm-hmm. like we saw some silhouettes of Purgle in hyperspace in mando we get to see. This isn't just a Purgle, This is one of the, this is this is one of the, the the big ones. One of the 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 ones from the finale of Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, I I think I think that's the first time we ever see the the big ones, right? But, um, yeah, it's very is very exciting stuff, man. Oh my god, this this series is going to be incredible. We get like full on. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. We see him from from the front, and he's looking phenomenal. Uh, this is this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a good one.
1: I yeah. can I... Every little thing that they're trying to hold back on, they're holding back. So, like before in the first trailer, it was Thrawn from behind. In this yeah. trailer, seeing Thrawn from finally his seeing his face in live action—it's the first time. This is a red letter day, guys. If anyone's ever you know read the *Heir to the Empire* trilogy, back in 1990, what was it two? This is a beautiful moment for everyone. Let's just take a moment to enjoy this. But then <laughs> yeah. there's another thing that's about to come. With that we haven't even heard his voice in live action. So it's like they keep holding back and like they give us little breadcrumbs to just kind of hold us over and then we'll probably uh, finally hear his voice, you know, for the first time in the show, you know? So um, yeah. no, it's just great. Um, going back slightly real fast and then we could go to Obi-Wan. But um, how you're talking about how basically in this show, we act, or in this trailer, we actually get the reveal that Sabine kind of looks to Ahsoka even if it's sarcastically in this trailer as an as a master at some point so it's like when do you so in those moments you kind of start to think like when did that actually happen in the timeline and it had to have happened during the original trilogy i mean she mm-hmm. comes back before um you know a new hope and there's this you know in the, in the teaser trailer we see these moments where it's very reminiscent of what happened in the rebels where Um, she comes out and, uh, Ahsoka lands and they're just talking in Lothal, but Sabine has her long hair that has to be before I'm assuming, you know, when they left possibly. And then Mm -hmm. maybe when she cuts her hair and they have that rebels finale moment, that's when we're going to carry on the, the rest of the story. I don't know, but, uh, it's very interesting because obviously she couldn't have really taught sabine anything because she didn't have the dark saber that was in round season three um of rebels and ahsoka was gone for that time so i'm just very excited to see how this story plays out um and let's hear it for the ladies man we got three badass ladies in this show (laughs) you know just just being amazing so um that's really all i got but uh it's fantastic trailer probably one of the best Disney plus series trailers we've gotten in recent memory. If I could uh, completely be honest.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, i they, they absolutely nailed it with this one and, and the series just looks like it's going to be so, so good. Um, I'll just, I'll just note, uh, you know, we, we got to see Hu Yang in, in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the celebration trailer, but, uh, as a matter of fact, I think we saw Hu Yang, I think I saw Hu Yang a year ago. Uh, at celebration but um uh, in, in anaheim but i uh, but that mm-hmm. was one that like the the general audience didn't get to see um but uh yeah i mean like this character coming to life as well i mean this is this is for all intents and purposes star wars rebels season five i i it just is i think i think now that i'm Done with Obi Wan, right? We've we finished that rewatch. I think I have to start uh, a rapid fire uh, rewatch of of Star Wars Rebels before yeah. August twenty third, so that I can be fully refreshed on it. Because there's so much of it that is just season one and two. I've seen quite a few times, but season three and four not not nearly as much. I mean, I've I've said this before. I've seen every episode at least twice because I would watch it when it aired and then I would watch it before we recorded, but um i but yeah the the season three and four i haven't seen i think more than those those two times when it was originally airing uh so i need to go back and and really refresh my memory because that like season three is really when when sabine's story comes in and and i think i think one of the reasons why we're seeing sabine as a central character here is because that this is all going to tie into the Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett and skeleton crew and all of like, it's all going to come together and Sabine is a Mandalorian, right? So um, there's a, there is every possibility that uh, that she will be both a Mandalorian and a Jedi, the same as Grogu. And, uh, and, and we'll start to see even more of those two cultures blending together into one. Um, Cause that is, I mean to me like that it it the more mando stories we tell the more obvious it becomes to me that the 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 path forward for both cultures is to become one is for them to 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 not blend together necessarily but to like coexist in symbiosis with each other right like like for them to to like ebb and flow together instead of uh, coming, coming against each other in conflict as they did in the past. So like, that's the, that's your I mean, new Jedi order in my opinion, but
1: I mean, you we'll got see. the perfect marriage with this right here. It's happening where you have a Mandalorian and, a you know, learning from a Jedi and in the best way possible, you know, and yeah, is exactly. she for sensitive? I mean, and like there, therein lies the conflict too, where, why it didn't work out before and why mm. hopefully in this story, it will uh, move forward and work. But, uh, it's just uh, fascinating because it's all going to come together eventually. It's just we got to have these conflicts first because that's good stories. So um, no, it's, it's fantastic overall. <laughs> yeah, really excited.
0: Cool. Uh, well, I think with that we can jump into into Obi Wan, Part Six. I uh, and I, uh, yeah. I mean, like this is it. This is the this is the conclusion of our, uh, of our journey here, there's actually like in the first half of the episode, there's really not that much to talk about because it, like we start off with the, Oh, we're trying to escape the star destroyers barreling down on, on the, the, the escaping ship that everybody's in. They, the motivator was it the motivator. Something is, is
1: yeah. busted. It's always the motivator. They need to,
0: yeah, they need <laughs> to fix it. Um, so Obi-Wan, Makes the decision of like I'm gonna, I'm going to take Roken's little ship and I'm going to draw Vader away. Right, he's after me. They'll stop chasing us. Um, now, he, this is my one, this is the one plot hole in this in the show. But this is such a classic Star Wars plot hole that I that really doesn't bother me at all. But there is absolutely a, the aspect of like he drops out in his little ship, flies away. And then Vader is like, "I'm gonna go after him myself in his own shuttle. Why can't the why why can't the Star Destroyer pursue the other ship? Like, like they're all, they're splitting up anyways, right? Um, right. And and when when Obi Wan leaves the planet, the Star Destroyers it's not like it's in orbit waiting for Vader, right? Like, like his shuttle has a hyperdrive. Like they 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 went home, right?" Right. Um, but it's like but why like it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense but but this is a th- there are many instances in star wars of things like this happening so it's just just don't think about it too much um but uh yeah i but before obi-wan leaves he's got he's got a good moment with Leia. i mean first she doesn't want him to leave she gets quite upset she runs off and then haja steps in and he's like we should give her a little bit of space and then Obi-Wan is like look you got to promise me that you'll get her home. Uh and this is this is this is the beginning of the like emotional heartstring tugging moments of the of this the this finale where uh he's like oh yeah you know I'll give you my word as much as you can trust the word of a you know a con artist fake jedi and he's like it's Obi-Wan's like it's good enough for me. Um which I is like Hodges redemption right it's his uh it's it's his moment of like getting the getting the nod from obi-wan kenobi himself um so yeah i mean like that's uh that 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 is the first moment in this episode where it like starts to get you um but uh i i really hope that we see haja again in something i really hope that we do I, that haja character is so much fun you know yeah haja and roken in something in anything put them in the next uh jedi game (laughs) in
1: yeah in
0: the the final chapter right but
1: um, i love real fast i I do love his acknowledgement of his own trust in question because it's just fantastic writing because it's just one of those moments where as the audience you could be like you're really going to trust this guy and then he actually says what we're thinking like you're Hey, yeah, as much as a word uh, of a liar and, a, you know, fake Jedi, you know, he's like, it's good enough for me, you know, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. desperate times, desperate measures, you know? So, uh, but I love how they just acknowledge it right away and um, you know, it's great, but uh, great writing in that moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then o- Obi-Wan and Leia have a little bit more of a heart to heart and he, he's like, look, I got, I have to go do this. Uh, you have to stay safe it's uh, you're more important than i am you're the future sort of thing and uh i and then and then i he he i this he asks to borrow lola right he needs to borrow lola um but i i he's like i'll 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 bring her back
1: (laughs) sort of thing um did he ask i thought he, he i thought um or does no, Leia I, offer? I think Leia was uh, giving, or like letting um, the passengers, uh, was like Lola, kind of calm them down, and then he later just found Lola and the robes as a, as a like, um, it was basically the whole point of Lola was to like calm them down to not get, be scared. Oh yeah,
0: that's right, that's right. And then
1: he opens yeah. up the robes. Lola's there. It's like, don't be scared for facing Vader, basically. So yeah, 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 I think that was what it was.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so yeah, he, he peels off, he he gets in the little ship and he peels off and, uh, and they go, uh, he, he goes down to the planet, Vader stops everything and is like, I'm going after him, uh, alone and, uh, I takes his shuttle down and, uh, and then we kinda, we're kind of, we're kind of, as this is happening, we're kind of intercutting it with, um, with Riva. Going to Tatooine to first find Owen. So there's a scene where she's kind of questioning people and most icily trying to figure out where Owen is, and uh, uh, and then eventually, you know, that word gets back to Owen from somebody else. So he goes back to the homestead and he and Baru. I feel like, I feel like we just like kind of get through this part of it right now. Like I going back and forth and trying to remember when it cuts back and forth is
1: pointless. Yeah. We could do the B storyline first. For <laughs> yeah. Sure.
0: But, um, I, uh, this is where, this is where we get, we get character redemption for both Owen and Baru, who are very flat characters in all of their appearances up until this point. I mean, Owen has some good stuff in the season premiere, like in the first episode, but, um, But other than that, he really doesn't get a lot to do in, uh, revenge of the Sith or attack of the clones. Right. And, uh, and, and he's kind of, he's a little bit, I mean, like he kind of gets the short end of it in a new hope because he's got to kind of be the bad guy holding Luke back. Right. He's the the threshold guardian on that one. So, um, so he kind of gets the raw deal there, but, uh, uh, but, but these two characters get the opportunity to kind of redeem themselves in this episode. Baru, especially, who has next to no character, um, but then all of a sudden it's like Owen's like, "We got to go. We got like we have to run," and she's like, "No, she'll just chase. Like we have to make a stand. We're prepared for this. We knew this day would come." Uh, so, we're enough. like, she, yeah, yeah, we're enough, which is great, and and she she kind of you know. I I go, goes Rambo and is like, here's the guns, like take up your yeah. position, like let's do so this. Good. Um, and so when Riva does get there, uh, they kind of have a plan. It doesn't really work yeah. though, you know. I I mean, like I don't, I think that they're a little bit outgunned by uh by a for giant, sure,
1: yeah. Uh, they're uh they're they're shooting at her, throwing uh pot plants at her, you know. And, yeah. uh, and then uh, they kind of have a, a plan in sense of like you know defensive. You know, at, at one point they're on the he's on the bridge and Baru is with Luke. And uh, going back again to what I said last week regarding like uh, just overall the courage of the show, where it really just plays close to the quote unquote canon of Star Wars, to where we get to a point where Luke Skywalker before he's really Luke Skywalker in A New Hope almost sees a red bladed lightsaber attacking him you know mm. <laughs> by by moments seconds milliseconds he he misses it um it's just like again going back to the courage of the show of uh why not it's, it's it's almost like instead of like the classic question of like the general fan that would be like why would you do that in a story like this how about the why not and they go with mm-hmm. the why not let's why not do this and uh i think it's very effective especially to the point cuz there's a part of me that every time I kind of watch this episode, I almost want to just stick with the, a story, the, uh, Obi-Wan Invader story. But then every time it cuts back, it's like, okay, well, we've got to see this too. Um, I still love it. I don't know about the, the cross cutting so much, but it does kind of fit the story to where, you know, Obi-Wan has to end up on Tatooine anyway. And this is the end of the story. But, um, what it does positively is like you said, it gives character to Owen and Beru, which we've never had. I mean, Beru, uh, at least by Bonnie Peace before in Attack of the Clones, she literally had one line and it was, hello, that was it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as soon as she comes into this, she completely just, she almost like takes control of the entire like homestead at that point. And Owen's just like, oh, okay, here we go. you know. And it was just kind of great to see that side of the relationship, which we've never had. I mean, these characters in canon, Um, probably have you know about 20 some odd years uh maybe even more you know 25 years of like canon uh, lore around them yet they're they're just the uncle and aunt of luke and that's really they're farmers they're you know their their dad you know married Shami. That that, that's really all we ever got from them before and like just in the few minutes that we have with them we get so much and yeah it's through action but it's character through action where we have these moments where Owen actually tells like, he is, he does belong to me. He belongs to us. He is my boy. And that was beautiful. That was, that was fantastic. And I mean, we got Joel Edgerton, so we got to use him, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so overall it's just great. And I uh, love seeing these characters used to the fullest uh, extent. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean like what, what incredible luck to, uh to, to cast Joel Edgerton at the point that 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 george did right for attack of the clones really? um i think primarily for the look right like i think that was that was the main reason that he was cast and then it turns out that this guy is a phenomenal actor i mean like i think i think one of the one, one of one of the better of this generation and like certainly one of the most like uh uh unsung heroes so anytime he shows up in anything he is he is really really good and he just he crushes it in this he 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 nails this character um of really like bringing dimension to uh to the the very limited performance that's in a new hope right and and sort of drawing that back pulling it back um At the end of the episode, like in in his final scene, um, when when he says, do you want to meet him? And there's just like that little bit of like, he's got like this reluctant smile. And it's like, it says everything that you need it to say about how Owen feels in this moment, where it's like, as much as, as much as he is the threshold guardian, he's the one keeping Luke prisoner from going on this adventure, um he does like it, it everything that he is doing, everything that he does is out of love for this boy, right? Like that, like mm. that is so clear. And so, you know, in that moment it's like, well, the best thing for him right now is to give Obi-Wan this opportunity. Right. So um yeah, it's just I I I, I think that that they just he they got so lucky having this actor play this role and be like, be able to be brought in. I mean, like just the, just the whole, the whole thing of it of, of, I mean, like Hayden, I think is a lot less luck and a mo- and a lot more um, brilliant casting from day one, as much as people will malign his performance in the, in the prequels. I, th- I think they're wrong. Um, I think he plays that character to a T, but I, 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 I I I think that there's some directing that is not as great as it could be, but uh, but but in terms of like what Hayden brought to it, I I think that Hayden, I mean he defines that character right. So, um, mm-hmm. but having him, having Ewan, having uh, uh, Joel Edgerton, like like having all of these these actors reprising these roles and coming back in, um it's just like it it's uh uh jimmy smith's right as bail organa Mm -hmm. getting to add so much more to that and giving us so much more of of why leia grows up to be the woman that she is right why why she she becomes the person that she becomes um the one thing there that drives me nuts is that like she had such good parents. I I'm just flabbergasted as to how she messed up with Ben so much, but that's a story that we need to get eventually. I don't know that we ever will. They'll just, they'll just relegate it to bit parts and in, in books and stuff like that. We'll never get the full story. I don't think, but um, we'll only ever get, we'll only ever get the Luke and Ben stuff. I don't think that we'll ever get that much time with leia ever again maybe uh, that
1: was i think the what the story is regarding that is that it was more of han failing than leia failing if anything because no not at all not at all i
0: don't i don't think so at all (laughs) this is going to be controversial and people are probably going to come after me for this or maybe they won't there's not enough people listening for anybody to come after me (laughs) leia is the one who messes up absolutely unequivocally Leia is the one who messes up. She messes up her relationship with Han and she messes up her relationship with her son and she, and she pawns Ben off on Luke because she's got other stuff that she's focused on. The, the, if you, if you read between the lines in bloodline and last shot, Leia is not around. Like, like, like she's, Because I mean, like at a certain point, she's basically the leader of the entire new republic. So she has important responsibilities, but those important responsibilities of trying to establish this new government absolutely draw her away from her husband and leave him alone with their son. And he doesn't know what he's doing, right? Like, 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 like Ben wouldn't have survived if Chewie wasn't around, <laughs> right? And Chewie, know, <laughs> Chewie knows what he's doing because Chewie's got a son, right? Like, like Chewie's raised kids, um, but, but, I uh, like he's got experience in that, in that, uh, in that field. But, um, yeah, like, like if not for like a bit of the support network, uh, it would have been even worse. But then, so, so Han. Everything that Han does is a reaction to that reality. Um, that is, like, and and here's the thing: like, this is what I'll go back to, and this is how it relates into Obi Wan. Han didn't have parents, right? He was a he was a Oliver Twist street urchin on Coruscant, right. right? Like, we don't we don't know the full story of what's happened with that in in canon, but we do have we do have a general idea of it from expanded universe stuff from Legends canon, right? Um, so w- the relationship that he did have with his parents was not a good one. His father was not a good father, uh, for the limited time that, that Han spent with him. And then, and then, yeah, in, in solo, we learned that he grew up on the streets basically, you know, uh, as a, as a, as a pickpocket and a thief and all of that sort of thing for, uh, for, a, a evil worm lady, right? Like, I don't expect that man. To have a fully assembled toolkit for parenting, I. Uh, but what we see in this series is that Leia, she was 19 years old when Alderaan blew up. It's not like she was a. Like a teenager, right? Like, it's not like she was 12 or something when she lost her parents. She was an adult. And, 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 I mean, like, 19 years old is still a child, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I wouldn't trust a 19 year old with a hell of a lot. But, I, I, but at the same time, like, you are, you are fairly fully formed in, in your identity. And she has two stellar examples of parents as far as, as the evidence that we currently have indicates, right? Like she had a good mother and a good father and she learned from them and became a good person as a result. So by the time that we get to the, the point of her being a mother in, you know, uh, uh, the post return of the Jedi, I it's, I'm a little bit like, no, it was absolutely like, she was the quarterback and, and, and she, she messed up. Right. Um, you you can only assign so much of that to Han uh, and, uh, I, you know, I and I, I would say that that The Force Awakens in The Last Jedi support that, um, that that she carries a lot of guilt um, and uh, and takes a lot of blame. It is why she's not the one who goes to Ben. Right. She says to Han, you have to go. She sends him off to his death. Right, am like, she, why couldn't she get on a ship and go, right? Why didn't she go with with Han to do that, right? And it's like, well, because she doesn't, she doesn't want to face Ben, so she puts it on Han again, and then in the Last Jedi, you see that you see the toll that that takes on her, that of Han being dead, and it's her fault, and she didn't do what she should have done, um, and she's very much resigned to to her fate uh, to a certain degree at the end of that movie until Luke shows up to save the day. Right. Like, like, and, and so much of that to me is, is, has to do with Ben more than it has to do with like the resistance being at, at the end of its life. Right. Um, it was so much of that is like, no, she messed up and you know, it's the, the, the chickens have come home to roost sort of thing. Um, but, anyways, what a what a what a massive tangent, and something that Sorry. I don't think i I've, I've ever talked about on a podcast because i I think I think that most people want to see Leia as pretty infallible, but but I I think it's actually really important to acknowledge that like both her and Han messed up in raising Ben, and then Luke has his part in that as well. But Snoke and and all of that had 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 done plenty by that point to uh to to undermine anything that Luke any lessons that Luke would have had to impart to Ben. But um,
1: but in any no, case, no, it's yeah, a good point. It's, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I never i I uh, never thought of it that way, the way you put it out, where uh, it was kind of on her and she wasn't around. So uh, I guess the examples I was thinking about was uh just the way i guess ben's perception uh, was handling it because he uh not that he didn't hesitate but obviously you know what happens happens to han in the Force awakens but there is that hesitation in the last jedi when he is about to go mm-hmm. blow up the ship and uh because it's mommy you know so uh i guess um maybe he puts her more in a pedestal kind of uh, situation but um
0: well uh, what's that relationship gonna be so again this is supporting what i'm talking about right that exactly. relationship yeah. is going to be really clear han was around han was the was the target of that like uh, what well, he go- he leaves when he's 10 right he, he goes to luke when he's 10 so like that sort of that pre-adolescent angst that's starting to bubble up it's going to be directed at Han because Han was around. Right. So all of that, like, and, and it, and it's Han, you know, that like when Ben got upset that Han yelled, he didn't, he didn't handle it properly. Right. (laughs) Um, Which is the way that he reacts when he's like, when he's like, like Luke was a Jedi and and she's like, yeah, but you're his father sort of thing. It's like, but you can see that Han didn't, didn't have that confidence um, to, to, to parent from a, from a place of, uh, gentleness, you know, um, I think that he would have been very reactive. So, I uh, so, so that's, that source of conflict is still there. And, and, um, you know, like it's, it's gonna, it's a, it's a thing of, uh, I, I, th- Han gives him permission, right? In those moments, it's, it's difficult to put into words because, he, they're standing there on that gangway and and he's saying, like, I know what I have to do. I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And and Han's like, you do. Right? And and they're talking about two different things and it's only too late that Han realizes, like when he tries to take the lightsaber and, and Kylo doesn't let go. Mm-hmm. He realizes like, oh, you are talking about something else and it's too late and he kills him, right? But... Uh, yeah, like that's that is very much like like I need to I need to be free of you, right sort of thing. Whereas if his mother was never there, then she's this like missing goddess figure in his life, right? Like that's that like he she's she the like the absentee parent is often the one that gets idolized um even though, you know, by being an absentee it's like uh, yeah, like like what's what's worse right being the dad that's there yelling or being the mom that's that's off doing something else right um that's right. like preoccupied with 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 worker responsibilities or whatever like which which one of these is worse but from the perception of the kid it's like so whenever mom's around it's like like oh oh, oh i need to i need to savor this right so as an adult uh, no, not that I i don't think that that Kylo Ren is like doing this work I don't think that he's thinking about this I think this is all subconscious in the character and I'm reading a lot into this none of this is in the script I would wager right I don't know maybe maybe Ryan Johnson thought about this stuff but I would wager that it's not really there I think I think there's also just an innate relationship between mothers and their children that's different than the relationship between fathers and their children right um mm. It has to be like, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no way around that. I'm, I will stop myself right now and say, I'm using very like gender binary language on this right now. And then that's not to exclude anybody. That's just, I think, because the example that we're talking about is, is that example. So I'm kind of in that, but a person who, 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 uh, grows another human being is going to have. A deeper connection with that child uh not deeper it's a very different type of connection than than the other parent right whoever that other parent is the the one that like gestated stated that life it's uh like that that human being that comes out is literally a part of that person that just like one day separates and leaves and is eventually walking around and living their own life exposed to the world i can't imagine what that feels like (laughs) um i like that is a that is a singular thing for people uh who who have that ability so um but i but yeah so that that relationship is going to be inherently different than the relationship between like Han as, as Ben's father and him. Right. Uh, So you can just read it in that way. But, but when you take all of it into, into perspective and you look at the whole picture of everything that's in like these novels and stuff. And last shot is probably the one that most people haven't read. Like, like that, I would say like, like I don't think as many people have read last shot as have read bloodline. Um, It's a much more popular book. Bloodline is, is about Leia. Last Shot is about Han. I mean, Last Shot is about Han and Lando, but I, I, it switches between their perspectives. But I, uh, actually, it switches between their perspectives and it switches between three different timelines. Um, yep. Last Shot is such a good book. Oh my God. Last Shot's one of my favorite Star Wars novels. It's funny, all my favorite Star Wars novels are Han Solo books, but, um, I but yeah, Last Shot's so good. If if people haven't read Last Shot or listen to the audiobook. The audiobook is stellar because there are multiple narrators for it. So when you switch between Young Han um cuz I think it's like it's like a Han story that takes place after Solo but before a New Hope. Um, yeah. and it's a Lando story that takes place before Solo right. Mm-hmm. When he still got the Falcon. Cause all three stories are basically take place on the Falcon in three different time periods. So there's like those two. And then the final storyline is like a, it's like a post return of the Jedi. I think, I think Ben is like five years older. or not even, I think he's like three or four years old, three or two he's like,
1: Two or three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe even younger. Cause he's like, he's like just talking sort of thing. Um, Uh, he calls Lando uncle Wando, uh, in the book. Like it's like in the book. It's so great. It's so great. And Lando calls him little starfighter and it's like the best thing ever. And it's, yeah, there's so much in there, man. Oh my God. Last shot's such a good book, but it takes place in those three time periods. Um, and each of those three time periods is narrated by a different voice. So you always know where you are in the story. Um, and they actually got a black person to do Lando stuff. So that's like, Oh, that's nice. That's a nice thing. And you don't have a mm. white guy doing a fake Lando accent, which you have most of the time, uh, in the, or, or a Finn accent or right. Like they've kind of got these like, uh, uh anyways, that's a whole other thing. We are so far afield from Obi-Wan Kenobi right now, but that's okay. It's a star Wars podcast. I, uh, I, this, this is the way it goes. Um, this is the way. Yeah. Uh man, where were we even? So we were talking about
1: we were talking, ta- about, Owen we're and talking about Owen and
0: yeah, and Baru and all that.
1: Um Did you did you wanna so uh real fast, did you wanna like finish the entire B storyline and then go into Obi-Wan and uh Vader? Well I think
0: we I think we get to the point we can get up to the point where Reva eventually manages to to like chase Luke out into the desert, right? She okay. she gets past Owen and Baru. And chases Luke out into the desert. And that's I think that's kind of where we leave it until Obi-Wan comes back into the story at the end. Um so I mean like listen, the Anakin and Obi-Wan of it, there's really not a lot to say that we haven't already said. We talked about it a lot last week. Um It is an incredible lightsaber fight. It is up there for me. This is this is one of the better ones. Indeed. Um, and it is one of the better ones not because necessarily of the choreography although the choreography is all like top notch. Um as a matter of fact, I think I personally think this choreography is better than Battle of the Heroes and Revenge of the Sith. Agreed. Battle of the Heroes is very exciting. It's wild, right? Like it goes all sorts of places. It is way too long. And it is way over the top, way over the top. Like everything what's, what's crazy to me is that there are sequences that didn't make it into the movie. You know what I mean? Because like when you watch that on screen and you're like, I'm sorry, you guys shot more than this. You shot more (laughs) stuff than this because that fight goes on forever. And I know it's intercut with Sidious and, and Yoda. But both of those fights are like excessive in the extreme, um, and I th- I think that you could cut down the fight between Anakin and Obi Wan in Revenge of the Sith, and it would play better um, and be and be. I, there's a there's a lot of back and forth, and it's like okay, we get it. They're both very good. They're equally matched. All of that stuff. This fight is actually a narrative like there's actually there's there's actually stuff going on and there's some really great dialogue in it some of the best in Star Wars as far as I'm concerned um and acting yeah yeah your str- your strength is returned but the weakness remains is like everything Vader says in the Obi-Wan series is like top-notch Vader it's so so good um yeah and 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 obviously like the end of the fight is one of the best scenes it's it is among the best scenes in the series it's among the best scenes in star wars i mean like it just it's so good i think i think i think that people undersell this one and didn't appreciate don't appreciate it they continue to not appreciate it for how good it is um i really think in the same way that the clone wars bolsters the story of the prequels this episode in particular but the Obi-Wan Kenobi series in general bolsters the story of the the prequels so much like this this really really gets us from Anakin in the prequels to Vader in a new hope and how that character is so wildly different because mm. they because he is right like the Vader that we see in a new hope is not the same man that went into the suit at the end of revenge of the sith Right. That man was passion and fire. And, you know, like before he turns, that's a good thing. He's the hero of the Republic. Right. Like, like it's a, like he, he and Obi-Wan single handedly win that war. Right. Like, like the, the two of them are responsible for, for winning that war as like more than any other Jedi without a doubt. Like, I think that that's academic, right. Um, the war would not have gone on as long as it did. The Jedi would have, would have had to concede if not for the two of them showing up at the last minute. Oh, I don't know, a good two or three dozen times, right? If you added, like, if you if you combine, uh, I. All of the Clone Wars stuff, the micro series, even though it's not canon, the novels, even though some of them are not canon, right? The video games, which are definitely not canon, like the Clone Wars video game is so not canon. It's not even funny. But I, I do you remember that game on on the, that was like on the the Xbox? Uh, I think that was just on like regular Xbox, right? Yeah, and GameCube.
1: I had it on PS2. Era. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that introduced the Clone Hover Tank. That's the first time we ever saw that. Uh and then eventually the Clone Wars series would make that canon. But and uh, James I, Arnold
1: Taylor too as uh the voice. Yep, I think that was yep. that preceded the Clone Wars micro series.
0: No, okay, so but it is not his first time doing the voice. His first time doing the voice was the episode three video game. He was the voice double for you in, in the game. So I, uh, yeah. Oh, no okay. uh, James Arnold Taylor's been doing Obi Wan's voice for a very long time. Um
1: Wait, didn't the Clone Wars uh Micro series and uh, the Clone Wars video game come out before Revenge of the Sith. Uh, did it anyway? I'm I, I pretty sure. I remember there were some cutscenes because it was like, oh, it could, there were some cutscenes. The micro series
0: I, obviously does. So you're right on that one. But yeah, um, man, is it is there another video game that he did? Now I got to bring up James Arnold Taylor. We have to answer this question. <laughs> um. Um, what's the first time that he ever did that voice? What's the first time that he ever did that? I could have
1: sworn it was the Clone Wars oh. video game. Cause, uh, I remember the, uh, the clones from Geonosis being on the cover and there was these cutscenes with, uh, Anakin and Dooku fighting. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. They got to fight again. And it was preceded before, you know, the Clone Wars micro series. And obviously the Clone Wars series where Anakin Dooku always fight each other. So, um, it was, uh interesting that way but uh that was one of the few things that i remembered and i remember also vaguely that the actor that uh, played anakin uh also kind of did a more of a uh hayden in in attack of the clones impression Um, oh my god
0: it's it's it it, it, no 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 shade or 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 anything like that towards the, uh, to that voice actor, but boy, Oh boy. Is that a terrible take? Uh, yeah. I hate, I hate Anakin in the micro series. It's too, so yeah. bad. And I'm so glad that they got Matt Lanter for, for the regular series. Cause Matt Lanter redefines that character. And yeah, he would he, I don't think that he would have the gravitas that he does. If not for, for Matt Lanter, he, he crushes that, that role. But um, let's see. I'm, I'm nearing it in the IMDb. What? I'm nearing what? that area. Yep.
1: What's funny about the whole Matt Lanter and Hayden of it all is that to me, um, uh, Hayden had a had a voice in the prequels. And then Matt Lanter kind of went almost, it felt like a slightly different direction. But then as uh, Hayden's grown up, he almost retroactively kind of sounds like Matt Lanter. Like just Hayden being Hayden, like on the stage and whatnot. It's very interesting. I mean, he kind of brings it back in the Obi-Wan series where he's, you know, Uh, playing Anakin in uh, episode five kind of sounds more like his Anakin that he played, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but to me, it was like, Oh, kind of, they do sound similar. Like when they're on stage together. Hmm.
0: Sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to find, I, I, I'm not even seeing the clone Wars video game on his IMDB. I'm having a hard time tracking it down. What year did that game come out? That would have been,
1: Two thousand three, I think.
0: Yeah, that that's my guess as well, right? That would have been the earliest that it would have come out, and I'm not.
1: It's really hard it. finding. Uh, it's really hard finding uh, voice actors i to be because they do so much inherently. Yeah. <laughs> no? Oh my god! So it's like just a you know go to. Um, uh, his name is escaping I, right now. Replace I think combat.
0: I don't. I don't think that he did the voice in that game. But Maybe he didn't. Is- this is uh uh we gotta put in the clone wars either that or it's or this game is not in imdb right like that's <laughs> it, like that's that's the only other uh the only other option here no star wars here we go star wars the clone wars 2002 uh so this would be the game
1: go oh, yeah i'm on wikipedia I which you're your right difference. would
0: absolutely it would absolutely uh predate uh uh
1: Voice cast. Him uh... voicing in the... No, it's not him. It
0: Jonathan Love no, is the voice of Obi Wan yeah. in that game.
1: We got it at the same time. <laughs> oh, sad face. All right, well I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he the first. I guess the I guess the first thing that he's got credited here is the micro series.
1: Has to be the micro series. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: So I was wrong. Uh,
1: we were both wrong, sir. About, yeah, you know. yeah. Hey, we learned but and we can move on. It, you know.
0: He's basically <laughs> been the voice of Obi Wan since then. So uh awesome 20
1: years if you think about it 20 years oh my god
0: well i mean he's got he's got more hours than anybody with that character right by a long shot yeah, for sure um just with the clone wars alone he's got more hours than anybody but then you know video games star wars rebels uh, uh, audiobooks because there's a handful of times that he's voiced obi-wan in an audiobook uh yeah i mean i anytime you're gonna get gonna get Anytime you're going to do Obi-Wan Kenobi anything, you should just get James Arnold Taylor to do it if Ewan isn't available. Um, and I think that James would agree. Uh, <laughs> you go to Ewan first, and if Ewan says no, then you go to James. Uh,
1: and then I, third will be Stephen Stanton as uh, Alec Guinness, right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you need that Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan, James does a good Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan it's, it's pretty good, but it still sounds like him and the, and the Ewan creeps in. Right. But even then, like I, by the time that clone Wars is done, his Obi-Wan has a life of its own. It's no longer an Mm -hmm. Ewan sound. alike. if you go back and you listen to the micro series, he's very much doing a sound alike. Right. And in the video game in the episode three video game, he is definitely, is it him? I'm pretty sure it's him. He's doing like a sound alike. Um, or whoever whoever did the voice in that game was doing like a sound alike to, to sound pretty alike.
1: sure because uh during his um on stage uh one-man show he will always say the line you were my brother Anakin," and uh it yeah. would uh, come out constantly so uh i, yeah, I
0: think he did, yeah he did the revenge of the sith video game as well as battlefront too uh he voiced obi-wan in both there you go. and and yeah he's uh he's very much doing like an u.n impression there as opposed to like when we get into clone wars season one it's a little bit there but like as we get into like season three and four it's almost like he's he's had the character for so long at that point point. and i mean like when we get into season five when you get into the to the mandalorian stuff in season five mm. that character belongs to him at that point right like like the the, the performance that James does with that character in in that season is some of the best Obi-Wan storytelling that we've gotten. And I would have said, like, prior to this show, I would have said it's better than anything in the prequels. Um, or not better than anything with the pre... It is better than anything in the prequels. I would have said it's better than anything that Ewan did. And then Ewan comes back and does this and, like, delivers without a doubt some of the best Obi-Wan Kenobi moments and they're in this episode. They're in this episode. Um for sure. But uh yeah, so that that fight that fight between the two of them is a great fight. Um I like like it 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 just the ebb and flow of it, right? Of like Vader seems to have the upper hand. Um he makes his whole comments about like the strength is returned but the weakness remains. And I uh, and we get we get the the moment with Obi-Wan underground and this is his moment of rebirth. This is when the old Obi-Wan dies. This is when Ben Kenobi dies, right and Obi-Wan is reborn. Uh, he comes back uh, and and we get the inner monologue going but it's not actually his inner monologue. It's just the voices of Anakin and Vader that are kind of haunting him. Um, And that's where the weakness is. That's the doubt, right? Is being, he's being weighed down. He's being crushed under the weight of that Mm -hmm. guilt. And then we have the flash of Leia followed by Luke and the two of them and his responsibility to them. And this idea of like, like them being the future and that that's what he's fighting for. And that's when he just like, it it's a it's the difference is night and day right i mean like he bursts out of the ground and he's just he's just ready to destroy vader uh or has the capacity to do it at least like like the ability um and uh and we get the great god obi-wan moment of like when he hits god tier and uh and he just like vader had thrown like some rocks on him and obi-wan like basically lifts the surface of the planet and starts hucking it at vader um and it's he has just like the rocks <laughs> yeah it's it, it's uh it the jokes back then like a year ago of like i i vader learning from him with the high ground right and so he collapses the ground underneath him um and then obi-wan being like like you fool like i i am the high ground and that's (laughs) like the rocks are all like in the air and you're like no yeah he is the obi-wan is the high ground
1: um that's awesome i never heard that yeah (laughs) no
0: it's i i it's so good uh and then and then from that point on obi-wan just like uh almost toys with him at a certain point and then and then cuts the mask and we get the great, the great moment. So one of the best scenes of, in Star Wars now. It's perfection. It's absolute uh,
1: perfection.
0: yeah. Where Obi-Wan apologizes and Ewan gives the most heart wrenching performance um, as Obi-Wan Kenobi in this moment when he says that he's sorry for all of it. And, uh, and, and, and Vader replies, this this writing is so good it's so good so it, because the line I'm not your failure Obi-Wan mm-hmm. right it's just like it's there's like a there's this weird arrogance in, in, in the way that Vader talks about it and there's a he smiles when he says you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker Right, like he says that, and then even though we can't see his mouth, we can see sort of like the curl of the lip and like the effect of mm-hmm. it on his eye, and he says, "I did," right?
1: Yeah, the cheek and, moves a little bit. Yeah, yeah and there's smiling. just
0: like, and again, it's it's like these two are at the top of their game. Like, like you want to talk about redemption for for Hayden Christensen? It, it's just like. I don't even think it's redemption. I just think it's validation of like, no, this is what this guy had in him all along. It's not, it's not that we went away for 20 years and he learned how to be a better actor. I mean, like, I'm sure that he improved his craft along the way, but um, it's not like he was, he was super busy. You guys, which is sucks. I mean, like he fell into the same pit that, that, um, that Mark Hamill did right. Of like, you're that character and you're just labeled as that character forever. Um, and especially with the way that the prequels were received, and then Jumper yeah. didn't help anything, right? Like that, he shouldn't have made that movie. But uh, but that's not like again, like that's not his performance. Jumper is just a bad movie, and every once in a while, actors make bad movies. I guess it's just it's no good coming off of uh, coming off of the prequels to do Jumper as your follow up to it. Not that it was. He did other stuff, but anyways. He's always had this in him. He's always had these chops to perform in this way. But, but it's also like the key to it is that the writing is so good and the directing is so good. I mean, like Deborah Chow is getting the best out of these actors. Um, and you could tell that that was the case and that everybody enjoyed the process because like during the press junkets and, um, and at Star Wars Celebration, you could tell that there was a real um, closeness between all of them, between the four of them that were on all of the press junkets. Cause it was Deborah Chow, Ewan Hayden and, um, and, uh, uh Moses Ingram. I, uh, and you could, just, you could really just tell like the, that they, they got along really well and that, that it was a good experience. It was a positive experience, which is always nice because sometimes worry about stuff, but, um, yeah, I mean like, like that, all of that, the The I'm sorry, Anakin for all of it, and then and then him with the like i you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did like it's so good, and it and it it cements what obi-wan says to Luke in a new hope um and it makes that which I just love I love going back and watching that scene every time something new comes out and we watch that stuff, and it's like there's so much. There's so, so much in what Alec Guinness says there. And that's the brilliance of Alec Guinness's performance is that none of this existed. All he knew was what was on the page and what George basically told him, which was like, you're sad about this. Like, this is a melancholy thing. And uh, Alec delivers all of that but now when we go back and watch, it's as if it's written into the script. It's as if he knows and he's thinking about all of these things. It's 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 amazing how that has worked. Um the and that with like every layer that we get, everything that we get in the prequels, and then everything we get in the Clone Wars, and then Star Wars Rebels adds another layer onto it when we see him with Ahsoka and I, I, and we, and we get the little bit of Obi-Wan that we get in Star Wars Rebels, right? With, with, with Maul. And then the Obi-Wan series, just like, I mean, like it just, that scene is doing so much heavy lifting in A New Hope now that it was not responsible for in 1977. Certainly not in 1976 when they were filming it, right? Like it just. I don't know. That's just, it, that's the magic of Star Wars. That's when, that's when Star Wars really works when it's at its best. And I say this all the time, like, like good Star Wars is fun, right? There's lots of good Star Wars. There's lots of bad Star Wars, but there's lots of good Star Wars out there as well. But great Star Wars makes other Star Wars better. Like that's the distinction is that the great Star Wars stories are the ones that, and they don't even have to be about core characters. They can be about any aspect of the galaxy. Um, Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor are 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 really great examples of this because Cal's story is, although Vader intersects with it, he's really not an important part of it. Um, but but Cal's story enriches so much of Star Wars, um, and and having Marin in there is 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 a big part of that. And it adds so much to the galaxy, but like that's what I'm talking about is like when when you do that, and the, like Star Wars Rebels, which is a series. Other than you know Ahsoka coming in, Vader coming in, and Darth Maul and all that, like certainly there are a lot of connections into the original trilogy and into the prequels because it bridges those gaps. But um, just think about like the world between worlds, and think about the the Bendu and uh, I I you know, just all of that. It's like star Wars rebels did so much to add, add so many elements to star Wars that I think people take for granted, especially people who didn't bother watching the show. <laughs> mm. Cause there's a lot, there are a lot of people who haven't seen star Wars rebels who consider themselves hardcore star Wars fans that were like, no, this is too. There were a lot of people who didn't watch clone wars when it started, like go into the archive, go listen to early episodes of, Frontlines, and i'm talking about i'm like i don't understand why people aren't watching this show like there was like there there was a whole dialogue the first like three seasons of that show where it was like no one's watching this no one's talking about this this is some of the best Star Wars we've ever gotten. It's, it's wild to me. And then, and then people eventually got on board with, with Clone Wars. It got canceled. And Rebels came out with this completely different art style that was much more bright and colorful and cartoony. And they were like, well, this is a stupid kids show and didn't watch it and haven't watched it to this day. And it's like, well, you're going to regret that. You're going to regret that in about, oh, a month and a half. You're going to regret. Actually, it's, it's like six weeks at this point. Like you are really, really going to feel bad about having missed out on all of this storytelling because Ahsoka is going to go right over your head because I guarantee Dave's not stopping. He's not going to stop and explain what happened with Kanan. There will be lines about it. There will be stuff that directly addresses what happened with Kanan. We're not gonna stop and go, like, well, well, you know, the sacrifice that Kanan made, blah, blah, and like, go beat by beat of like the relationship between Kanan and Hera. There is gonna be like a blink and you miss it line about Jason's father and about him, and about Jason having the same sort of, you know, spirit or whatever, right? Like, and and we're gonna move on, but it's gonna be very much like a like a a bittersweet thing of like, yeah, if only he were still alive, right? Mm and if you didn't watch star wars rebels if you didn't watch rebels pff, man it's going to mean nothing to you it's going to mean nothing can you imagine if we see if we see the loth- the loth wolf like not a loth wolf but that one right like doom like the 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 the, yeah. the the big one if we see that in live action i will lose my mind, dude. I will lose my mind. And I don't I don't know that will necessarily that that's necessarily a season 1 thing. I think that's like uh cuz season 1's going to be getting to Ezra. I think eventually when Ezra comes back to Lothal, that that we could get that moment. We could get we could get a moment where we just even even just see it off in the distance, right? But the idea that we could see that the essence of that character on screen in live action is like, "Oh yeah, let's do it." come on i want it. i need it
1: um don't underestimate dave man i mean i don't i dave.
0: don't i mean like like they could very well get to wherever it is that ezra is and and like and you know like they have to find him like i can i can imagine that they're on some you know dead looking planet and they're in a creepy forest and uh i and uh, and like they just see like the silhouette of this giant loath wolf in the in the mm-hmm. Like off in the distance, that they have to follow, and it's like, oh, Kanan's there and he's leading them to Ezra, right? Like, because that is, and again, like, this is stuff. This is stuff that if you didn't watch Rebels, none of this is gonna mean anything to you, you know? Uh, anyways, right? Um, Obi Wan Kenobi,
1: (laughs) a couple things about the fight that I wanted to say, uh, get your thoughts on. Um, um, obviously, you know, we kind of talked about uh, that moment, the higher ground moment was great. Um, One thing that uh, I kind of noticed kind of watching in this rewatch was after that moment, after he throws him underground and walks away and kind of a combination of like what happened with like Reva, you know, Vader keeps stabbing uh, Reva, keeps coming back. Uh, But with Obi-Wan keeps thinking that he's done, you know, dragging dragging him through the fire in episode three, uh, burying him, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. It almost kind of retroactively kind of makes that kind of funny moment in A New Hope uh, kind of work where Obi-Wan, he swipes at Obi-Wan and he finally does perish and he steps on his robes. It's like he's gone, right? (laughs) He's finally gone. Like kind of makes that moment actually kind of ring a little bit more true because of this where it's just like this guy will not just die, you know. Hmm. So I kind of, you know, uh, kind of felt that this time watching it where um, Obi-Wan keeps coming back. Um, and um, overall, the uh, the visual storytelling um, with this scene back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan or Vader and Obi-Wan and how while Obi-Wan is pouring his heart out, apologizing for everything, it's the entire visual language that we're seeing is colored in blue. The blue lightsaber is taking over the entire... Um, Uh, frames you know you got uh, obi-wan's face in blue we got vader's face in blue and then as soon as he says that you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did the red comes up to both of them and it just shows the darkness visually uh which i really appreciated and then um of course the final moment um so my friend is truly dead and then goodbye darth like completely just bringing return of the jedi back you know full circle with those references and the, the Darth when uh, Alec Guinness was just calling the bad guy by the first name because that's what it was back then in the seventies. It wasn't, you know, uh, a a title for a Sith. It was Darth Vader was, that was just his first name because he was Darth Vader. So um, it's just kind of bringing everything all together and just that beautiful loop line, you know, being used again, but instead of my father, it's, so my friend is truly dead. Just beautiful overall. But, uh, those are my thoughts on the fight. Uh, but, uh, did you want to move on to, uh, the final moment with, uh, or the final sequence with uh, Tatooine?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. So Obi-Wan basically leaves there and, and then senses that Luke is in danger. I uh, makes his way back to Tatooine lands at the homestead and finds that, uh, that Owen and Beru are just hollering out into the Dune Sea, um, not really sure what to do right and then and then reva we had the we had the moment we haven't really talked about it with Riva where she's she's gotten Luke um knocked him out and he's unconscious and yeah. at her mercy and um and she and and we don't i mean obviously we know that she doesn't kill Luke Skywalker but uh, but we don't see it. We don't see what happens, right? She raises the lightsaber and then we kind of cut away. But there's this inner conflict, right? That uh, 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 she sees the child in front of her as herself as a child. And then she sees herself as Anakin, right? And has that moment of, of inner conflict. And we don't know, like, is she going to give into that the way that Anakin did? Or is she going to fight it? um and so when she returns with like this limp body of Luke Skywalker it's funny if you were watching things in chronological order you would be worried right um in the way that Owen and Beru are very worried that something has happened to Luke and sure. uh, but but he is alive he stirs and they everybody kind of starts breathing again and uh, i i i and then Obi Wan Riva. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, go just ahead. such a great,
1: uh, so, a brilliant directed moment, uh, because again, playing close to the, the chest with you know these characters, and obviously we know that Luke is okay, but like let's play in these moments, like let's have Riva come out of the darkness, and you have these same characters where you have Owen and Baru looking out, and it calls back to Attack of the Clones where Anakin came back with a dead Shimi and he's and Riva's holding Luke in the same way which was just great and then you, you so you play these moments you string these moments along a little bit without having to cut to flashbacks you know because you know that's it could be used as a cheap trick you know it wasn't used as a cheap trick in the last episode but I digress and we get into this moment where is he alive because these characters don't so this is the world that we're living in and then he has that that first breath that moan the relief on their faces it's just uh, fantastic and there is no word spoken between owen and reva he just picks up his son in this moment and just goes back to the homestead and that's it and that's that's the moment and it's just a beautiful moment for these uh, characters and reva too to come to terms with who she actually is she's not a monster she tries to be she'll Sever a hand in the in the marketplace, you know, but uh, she's not a monster.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It, I mean, it mirrors Kylo Ren, right? We talked about this of like the the pull back to the light. That's the conflict for her. Is not this pull to the dark side? It's it's actually the the light side is kind of constantly creeping in, um, and and beckoning her back because it's where she belongs. So the uh, again, great writing where she's like, have I become him? And uh, and Obi-Wan's, like, no, because you chose not to, right? Like, and that's, that's it. That's all it takes. Like, you simply chose not to. Uh, whereas, like, what he just experienced was that Anakin had the opportunity, defeated and broken in front of Obi-Wan, as Obi-Wan apologized to take that apology right and he doesn't. he doubles down on it and he's like, nope, I'm Darth Vader. Like like your friend is dead. like I am Darth Vader. I killed Anakin Skywalker. He made the choice to stay in the dark side. Um, and it it'll it's gonna take more for for Anakin to return um, uh, and we we know when that happens. but uh, uh, but yeah for Reva, it's uh, th- this was her turning point. Where she either follows the dark path or she returns to the light. And she's just out there, man. She's out there somewhere in the story. Yep. Which I just think is such an interesting aspect that, again, I don't know what happened with this show because it's so good and everybody was enjoying it. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like disappeared. And then Andor came out and once Andor came out, everybody was like, that Obi-Wan series was terrible. And it's like, what, what are you guys talking about? Because every week we were like talking online about how great that episode was. And then all of a sudden, because Andor is this dystopian, uh bummer, you know, police state examination of, you know, authoritarian overreach, blah blah blah. It's like, I, yeah, Andor's really good. It doesn't take anything away from this or Young Jedi Adventures, right? Like, it, like, none of these things that are different are lesser because they're different. They're all just different, right? I mean, like, man, there are, there are some stories on, uh, uh YouTube on Star Wars Kids YouTube that I most people are probably not familiar with but that if you've got kids you are and there are these characters one of them shows up in uh in Young Jedi Adventures um cuz there are these like there are these little short videos about the different alien species of the galaxy like the different creatures and and uh, and and races and racism, whatever and um and they're great they're they're great little shorts and they're they star these droids uh, the these these, this like pair of droids one of them shows up in young jedi adventures and like because my girls watched those shorts on youtube and then watched young jedi adventures when that droid it's like sf3e or something it's like safari is basically his name um, Cause he's like a, he's got like a pith helmet. He looks kind of like a, like a pit droid, but, um, but a little bit like chunkier. Um, yeah. And he goes out into the galaxy and basically does like a nature show for everybody about like, Oh, here's, here, these are Tauntauns. These are Rancors, right? Like to teach you all about the different, the different alien species in the galaxy, the different creatures. And um, he shows up in an episode of young Jedi adventures and Kara was like, "That's the." Droid. She didn't know his name because they. It's not like everybody like addresses him every episode or whatever. But she's like, "That's the droid from those from the from the animal cartoons." And it was like, "Yeah, it is." And I was like, "Like this is what Star Wars is about, right?" But like, like the point of that is that like Andor being Andor does not make those shorts bad because they're for kids, right? It doesn't make Obi Wan bad because Obi Wan like Andor is a prequel to Rogue One and Rogue One is a different type of Star Wars movie from the rest of the Star Wars movies so Andor is a different type of show and Andor is doing it much better than Rogue One did it I think in my opinion but um only because of the fact that Rogue, uh, Andor is focused and Rogue One got noted to death by the studio uh but whatever um in which, like, they completely rewrite Jin's character in uh, in, in Act Three of that in movie. The third and, act. It yeah. just totally undermine everything that came before it. But whatever. I. Uh, but Obi Wan is not just because it takes place in the same time period as Andor, roughly. Right. I mean, like in the dark times. Right. I. Mm. Uh, It does not need to have the same tone. It's not occupying the same space in the storytelling. Um, Obi-Wan is a sequel to the prequels.
1: Right? Yeah. Like, it's... It's like a bridge between the prequels and the original trilogy. But it's definitely, like... I mean the previously on, like if you were to pop this movie, yeah. if if this is a show on Netflix, the previously on is the prequel trilogy. So like this is a direct exactly. sequel. This is a episode three point five. And I hate yeah. the idea of raising something and making something less because just by comparison, that's like no both could be equally great in different ways.
0: Exactly. So. Exactly. And and for me, Obi-Wan is much stronger than Andor because Andor is missing fundamental elements of star Wars. Like, like they're just absent. There is no fun. There is no lightheartedness. There is very little hope. It is like, like hope hope is actually like a bad thing in Andor every time somebody has hope, it ends up getting them in trouble. Right. Or they can't Um, swim. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very like hope leads to despair in Andor more often than not. Um and that is not again that this is not to take anything away from it. Andor is a phenomenal show. I just think it's a much better Blade Runner series than it is a Star Wars series. Whereas like mm-hmm. I look at the trailer for Ahsoka and it's like no Ahsoka's got everything. Ahs- like like the little droid that we see in that in the E-wing is a little comedic moment. And and that sort of stuff is absent from Andor. Um but it's not absent from Obi-Wan. Right. I mean, like Lola as a character, like this little this little droid that Leia has is. Uh, is an aspect of that. There are alien characters throughout it. There are very few alien characters in Andor. Right. Um, yeah. Like like it, it, it just I don't know for me, it like it just it doesn't hit the same way. It's very, very good. But it's a bunch of people talking to each other. It's not is that's not necessarily what I want. Even even the droid that they do have is like a bummer of a droid. Oh my god, B two emo. I B2 emo. feel so bad for B two just for his existence. Um, but anyways, I yeah I like for me like I, I don't know there there are there are integral parts of Star Wars that are missing in Andor, and everybody seems to just overlook it and go this is what all Star Wars should be like, and I just I cannot I cannot get on board with that idea. Because I need, I need to have things like Young Jedi Adventures exist. I need to have those YouTube shorts exist. It's important. Star Wars is not for adults. It is for kids. It should, as far as I'm concerned, it should always be for kids. Um, and I think that when you, I think that when you steer it away from that into Rogue One and Andor territory, that you are losing what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Like you're losing the magic, um, and you're just going into sci-fi, and like, and I love sci-fi. I love hard sci-fi. I love Blade Runner, right? Like I love Blade Runner. Um, more, I think. I actually probably love Blade Runner more than the average person because like I've, I have, I've got the, uh, the, they did a Blu-ray when, when it first came out on Blu-ray, they did a special edition version of it that came in like the, the suitcase that Deckard has. And it's and like inside, it's got like a little model of the spinner and it's got uh, the little, um, it's plastic. It's not actually like an origami, but it's like an origami of the, of the unicorn. Um, that Edward James oh. Olmos's character leaves uh, at the end of the movie. Um, and it's got every version that they've ever released of Blade Runner. All Hunter. five cuts, right? All five cuts. And I've watched every single one. Mm-hmm. I've watched every single one. And I can tell you which one is my favorite and why, right? And it, I mean, it is, it's the final cut. The final cut's the best one. But i <laughs> it's a, for obvious reasons. As well, it should, I, the
1: final cut should be the the best one. <laughs> it should be right.
0: Um, but I, that said, I mean, like, there are things about the original theatrical, in particular, like the synth score in its fullness is. I mean, like that should never be touched, never ever. Um, but anyways, and 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 I I like some of the voiceover and monologue stuff. I like those aspects, and I know that some people don't like that stuff from from the various cuts of. Blade Runner. My point being that like, like I am down for that stuff. I even like, okay. So there's a, there is a Blade Runner TV series, but it's actually called 20 recall. i sorry. Total recall 2049. Uh, and uh, it's a, so it's billed as a total recall series, but it's actually a Blade Runner series. Um, Cause it is about, I mean like recall also factors into it, but the, it's about a detective and his partner is 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 a, a a replicant right like and recall is and so it basically bridges the gap between total recall and blade runner and puts them in the same in the same universe which they are by the way they they are and um uh the alien movies are also in that universe so um the Pre- which then makes the predator movies also technically part of that universe but you know, that's a whole other thing. I, yeah. I, but total recall and blade runner connected because of Philip K. Dick. Right. So like he wrote both of those stories and, and uh, so that's where the connection is there initially, but there's a, but that series, which I mean like a fair number of people, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty well-known sort of cult classic um, from the, from the uh, late nineties on, on sci-fi. Uh, but I, I, like I love that series. I've seen every episode multiple times, um, in in large part because it was it was filmed here in Vancouver. So it's like it's one of those things of like, oh, this is a Canadian production. I love it. I, yeah. I, I mean, most of the series on sci-fi in the 90s were filmed in Vancouver, by the way, um, just like how most of the CW is filmed in Vancouver these days. But I, uh, yeah, like. I love that stuff, but that's not what I go to Star Wars for. Like it's a, like they like they're they are for different purposes. And so when I go to Star Wars, I expect like high adventure. I expect fantasy mixed with science fiction. I don't expect I uh, I you know, like I expect a little bit of politics, but I don't expect nearly as much politics as what's in Andor. I I don't expect nearly as much hopelessness and despair as what's in Andor. It just, it bums me out and I want, I need, I need droids and I need aliens and I need like ridiculous set pieces, which Andor has a couple, but I mean like so much of that series is just people talking to each other. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 um, It just, it's one of those things that just kind of rubs me the wrong way of like, like, I just really firmly believe that Star Wars serves a purpose. And because they tried this in the, in the early two thousands with like the, the horror novels that they did, like the stormtrooper zombie stuff. And it's just like, I don't know, but, but I think like, that's what it, that's what it comes down to is like the expanded universe. And I'm talking about like, what's now called the legends canon, right? I think because it primarily existed in novels and, and a 300 page novel is primarily the, uh, the, the ecosystem uh, of, of adults or at least like teenagers and adults that star Wars moved from the eighties as like kid and family films into this other zone where like even like with the Thrawn trilogy, which is the thing that really starts the expanded universe is like, you immediately go into like these ideas that are, they, this stuff is not for kids. Right. And, uh, right. and so I think like it gave everybody this sense that star Wars was for grownups because for, for many years between I, uh, uh, which actually I mean really it's not that long. It's really it's not that long. You're talking about it. You said uh, uh, the Thrawn trilogy is 92. Is that that's that's when the first one comes out and like and Dark Empire is around the same time, right? In the comics. Um is maybe yeah, like so. like a year before that or if not like at the exact same time, right? These two stories that like pick up post return of the Jedi and carry on the story. And uh, I I Actually, no. Is that where the world devastators come from? Is it from dark empire? It's not from air. I empire, don't remember. It? It's, it's from dark empire. It's from dark empire. Herod? I said earlier in the episode, it's from
1: Merit of the empire. There the empire, empire was published in 1991, by the way, <laughs> 91. First. 91, so, 91, man.
0: So Ooh. the special editions come out in 97. And by the time that the special editions are out, George is working on like they're like, they've started casting and filming the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. in 1997. So, like by 99, 8 years later, it's only 8 years, right? Think about where we were 8 years ago. It's 2023. If we go back to 8 years, I mean like that's the beginning of the of the the acquisition, right? Like I uh, uh it's not it's not when the acquisition happened because that's 2012. But like that like 2015 is when everything started hitting, right? Mhm think about how much content we've gotten in the last 8 years. Uh think about think about about the 8 years prior to that, the 8 years prior to that, the 8 years prior to that, right? I
1: mean, Rebels started in 2014, so that's 9 years ago. I mean, yeah. that, that that's where we're at right now, guys. Like uh 2015 December would be Force Awakens, so yeah, yeah 2023. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah it's wild uh time is just a thing that never stops but um but yeah i i like they like we act like it's this it's this massive swath of time and i mean the expanded universe continues on after the the prequels come out right but the prequels come out and it's like oh star wars is for kids again but what happened when the prequels came out all of these people who were kids when they saw star Wars and then these novels came out when they were teenagers or young adults walked into the movie theater, expecting the phantom menace to be heir to the empire. And it's not right. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a star Wars movie. It's a kid's movie. And George made kids movies. The stories are meant to be for kids to learn, what it means to be a good person. like that's like that's what Star Wars is like that's why it exists. They're morality tales, they're fairy tales. And then when something doesn't treat it like a fairy tale, it just it just bugs me. It just bugs me. But Dave gets it and so is gonna be good. and Deborah Chow absolutely got it, which is why like Leia has Lola because she has to have she has to have a little companion. She has to, like, it's just, she's a princess. She has to have a little bird that she talks to. And for those who don't know, Lola is named after a bird that Carrie Fisher had when she was a little girl. Like, so Lola is designed to be a little songbird. That's from the, from the chirps and stuff to the, to the little feet and, uh, and, and, and the way that the wings come out. She's kind of like, like Lola is kind of a butterfly bird droid hybrid right like she kind of like has all of these elements that come together which is great star wars design brings together multiple things right but the reason why she's named lola is that connection to to carrie fisher and the idea that like princess leia has a little like like a disney princess has a little bird that she talks to right that's her oh. best friend right just like snow white or you know uh, uh sleeping beauty or any of their cinderella talking to mice right like it's it's it is the Star Wars equivalent of that. So Deborah Chow gets it. This is a fairy tale, right? Like it is absolutely a fairy tale. Um, yeah,
1: she's uh, she's not singing into a well. She's naming off starships, you know, yeah, in the trees. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, and I mean, like even even stuff like the beginning of the season with Obi Wan and the like his job, and it's like this giant manta ray in the sand right i it's fantastical and that stuff that stuff's not in andor it's not i just it i don't know it just there's simple stuff like that that they that, that they don't it doesn't even have to be part of the story it just needs to exist in the world
1: right um yeah the prison is definitely um more definitely leans more towards like the sci-fi it is fantastical for star wars but it's again it's the depressing side it's the Mm -hmm. hopeless side um as great as the prison is but and then go back to the other uh arcs and there you know you got your heists and whatnot the eye is quite beautiful uh, and
0: that that is that's what that is one of like the saving graces of the series for me is like that moment is very much like that's a very star wars thing right of yeah. like but but then they end up turning it and it's like it becomes dangerous right um it's the thing that covers their escape and that's it's great for the heist plan but it's like it turns a thing of wonder into a thing of terror <laughs> and it's like oh man but that's what i'm talking about with andor is that just every every opportunity that it has to take something yeah. hopeful it turns it into despair and that's like in that, like, you know, the, by, as we're experiencing that thing of beauty, I, uh, I, the, the, oh, what's this? I can't remember the character's name. Um, The guy with the manifesto is dying, right? Like, it's like, oh, it was like a whole thing. So anyways.
1: Yeah. I forget his name. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's call the, uh, the, the timekeeper, the most Star Wars and or gets. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. keeper was pretty awesome.
0: Um, uh, but uh, I we'll get back into Obi-Wan here. So we've got a couple more scenes left, right? We've got we've got uh, uh, Obi-Wan has to go, he goes to Alderaan, right? We we get we get the little suit up scene with Leia where she's uh, modifying her outfit to be a little bit she's a little bit princess, a little bit rebel. Um, this is the beginning of it, right? And and we've got the, it's the great line of um, uh, with her father or she's like I'm like I like I understand now but we're gonna change a few things and he just has I mean like man Baylor Ghana is such a good dad I wish I was half as good a dad as Baylor Ghana. um <laughs> he turns to her and he says well then let's change them together and I just like that's when I like this that is the moment every time that I watch it now that I'm talking about like when I start crying right that's when the tears start and then Obi-Wan shows up. She's like, so who are we, we meeting today? More cousins. And he's like, well, not quite. And then Obi-Wan steps off the, the ship and her, the, her face lights up. And you're just like, every time I watch it, every time I watch it, this is the point. This is why this series exists. Leia deserved her origin story we thought we were going to get an Obi-Wan Kenobi story and that's, it was actually a Trojan horse. Like, like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is actually about Leia. Um Obi-Wan, it is also about Obi-Wan. It's about the two of them and, and the way that they help each other learn and grow. She brings him out of the darkness and, and back into the light. and, and he brings her, out into the wider galaxy in the same way that he's going to do with luke in a few years right right but this is the beginning of her adventure because when we meet leia she's already in it right like she is she's had her hero's journeys right like she's had multiple at that point she has learned so much she is more seasoned than either luke or han right when she takes that that blaster rifle from Luke and says somebody's got to save our skins like she mm-hmm. takes control of the situation and that how did she get there that's why this story exists it's to say that like leia was always and it's retroactive right but leia was always as important as luke always and it's actually like shame on us for never thinking that right. For getting to a point where we go like, well, Luke's the central character. No, he's not. Luke is not the central character. Luke and Leia are the central characters of star Wars. Right. Um, so when you get to the last Jedi and people get mad because Luke isn't the character that they wanted him to be. And they want him to walk out and face down the whole first order himself, which by the way, he does at the end of the movie. So you got what you wanted, but whatever. Um, because Ryan Johnson is a genius, he tells you what you don't, what what you actually don't need, but then he gives it to you anyways. A um, whole other thing, but but uh, <laughs> but we get there, and it's like the focus becomes Luke for some reason. It's like, but this isn't Luke's story. It's never been Luke's story. Luke has a story. He has his own story, but his story and Leia's story. Are the same story, right? Like, it just, I don't know. I think that, I think the more people can realize that, the happier they'll be as Star Wars fans, especially with the sequel trilogy. But, um, yeah, I mean, not with, with Rise of Skywalker, because Rise of Skywalker doesn't do a service to anybody in that film, sure. but yeah, we established I, that. I, uh, yeah, except maybe like 3PO gets some good moments, but I, I but everybody else kind of gets the short stick. Um,
1: yeah, Luke like the- got his origin story in the original trilogy. Yeah. Leia, the origin story in this one, you know, like this. Yeah. And, it, and how, what a beautiful way to do that, you know, like you said, Trojan horse, the show where you have Obi Wan, everyone's going to be focusing on Obi Wan, but then everyone, every, for years, I mean, we've been wanting a story about you McGregor as Obi Wan in the desert since 2005. And when we finally get it, for this entire time we've been thinking like, Oh, it's going to, it's going to be a story where he's, you know, taking out some Tuskens or, you know, there's something going on in a farm on Tatooine because he can't leave yeah. Tatooine. Well, why not? Yeah. Well, what's the reason Leia and why not? Because Leia, we haven't had an origin story visually on uh, the screen for Leia. Let's do that. And I r- really appreciate the Lucasfilm and the team to, to do that yeah. with Leia. You know, she, she's just as important.
0: And listen, I don't think that that's what the story was when they set out to make this show, and I think that like that original story that they were like ready to shoot, and then they stopped and they changed the whole thing.
1: Mm.
0: I don't think Leia was part of it. I I wouldn't be surprised if we learn one day from somebody that like that original story didn't have Leia in it at all. It was just about Obi Wan and Anakin, um, and 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 then they got and then I mean if if anybody did it if anybody is responsible for it I'll bet you anything it was Deborah Chow I bet you anything that when she became director for it which is a thing that happened later in the game right because you have to remember that the Obi-Wan series was one of the first things that Lucasfilm started doing when Kathleen Kennedy took over Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: Ewan lied to us for like six years before (laughs) they told us that this was happening right before it was confirmed that this show was happening, because it was like we know now that it was like one of the first phone calls that got made uh, was like to you and of like, are you like if we want to do this, are you down? Yes, you are. Okay, well then we'll start. Right, we'll we'll find writers. We'll we'll get this going. And I and Deborah Chow was not a part of anything until after she had done some directing on The Mandalorian, right? And I, I and so I think that once once they got to the point where they where she was attached, I think that the series became what it became. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if Leia entered the story at that point, because because um, it was a bunch of men prior to that. It was a bunch of men writing the story prior to that. And then all of a sudden Deborah Chow shows up and it's like and 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 now we know that, like, well, the series is actually a series about Princess Leia. It's like, well, this is not a coincidence as far as I'm concerned. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you got this is, I mean, like, it's just—I think it's just important to have women in the room for these reasons, right? So that we can get stories that are more than just certainly, and not just women, but like people of color and people of different, different um, gender expressions, sexual identities, uh, all of that stuff in writers' rooms, especially for Star Wars, so that we can get more diverse stories and so that other characters who have not gotten their opportunity to shine can get their opportunity to shine. I mean like Ahsoka's is coming. I'm excited about it. The thing that I'm the most excited about right now is probably Acolyte. That series is going to be a breath of fresh air. I think for star Wars fans, it's going to take us in a new direction. Um, and it's going to, it's going to open up a lot of stuff that, uh, that I think has been off limits for star Wars. Um, Stuff that they should have done in Rise of Skywalker, but they were cowards and didn't want to do because they were worried it was going to affect the opening of that movie if they uh, if they committed to certain things. So they just put it in the background, and uh, I, it was easy to cut out for other audiences, for foreign markets. Which is just, I, it's just, it's just cowardly, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Finn and Poe yeah. should have been romantic in Rise of Skywalker. It's there in The Last Jedi. It's a thousand percent there in, in The Last Jedi. I uh, I which was like I think came out of sort of the meme of that moment in The Force Awakens. I don't think that it was necessarily there in The Force Awakens. I think they do have a good meat meat cute in The Force Awakens of like like I'm here to break you out. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. Like it's so good. <laughs> like it's so the two of them from the from the beginning is so good. And if that turned into a romantic story, then it would have been perfect, right? There's still a chance. There's still a chance. I still hold out hope. But uh I but acolyte I think will probably go there. It'll it'll probably have some of that um type of storytelling in it. Um And I don't think to make a point, I think just because it's like, well, let's just like, if these characters can be anything, why can't they be this?
1: Uh, Yeah. uh, Again, going back to the, instead of saying why, how about why not?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's the, it's the reaction that everybody has to all of this stuff, which is like, I mean, like even already today with the Ahsoka trailer, you got a bunch of fragile male egos, being like how come Sabine is the lead character? She's not a Jedi. And they're like tell- they're saying all of this stuff and it's just like how about you just wait and watch the show? How about you see what the story is before you start telling us that it's a bad story because it's about a woman? Like just just settle down. But they just they lack vision. They lack the, they lack creativity. They lack the ability to see themselves in a female character because that would make them gay. Right. Like that's like just to put an absolute fine point on it. That's the reaction, which in their minds, because they have fragile male egos, is the worst possible thing that you could be. When in reality. It's it, it's it's not it's not anything right. It should. or I mean, it is because our society makes it a thing. It shouldn't be. Yeah, everybody should be free to feel however they feel about whoever they want to feel it about, right? As long as you're not hurting anybody, everything is fair game, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, in terms of sexual identity, gender expression, all that sort of thing, uh, I think people understand what I'm talking about. But but it's like it is just it is just this thing. Uh, you know, and it, and the, some of the backlash on the Obi Wan series was they just wanted to see two guys fight each other. They just wanted six episodes of Obi Wan and Anakin dueling, right? Like that's like that's so what boring. they thought they were gonna get. And it's like uh, some of us would like actually good stories, um, but that that uh, that inability to see yourself in these other care in these different types of characters, uh, you just you you limit your ability to learn and grow when you do that. Like that is my word of advice to anybody out there who, who has been feeling that way and maybe hasn't realized it until this moment until I'm saying it. um, Because nobody's, nobody's like expressed it to you in that way. But, but I will tell you from my experience as a man who is generally for the most part, cisgender heterosexual, I am, I am mostly white <laughs> and I am a male. So I like, that's my experience. And when I go out into the world, that's how people perceive me. So it's, I definitely benefit from the privilege of all of those things, despite what the reality might be for me. Um As a younger man, I, I like those, that, that male fragility was all there for me as well. And I, you know, uh, anytime anybody questioned masculinity or anything like that, I, it ruffled my feathers. But as I got, as I get older and realize that like, actually like none of that matters, like other people's perception of your masculinity is the least important thing. Um, it is, it is so, so inconsequential. I, uh, I mean, uh, It's not true for everybody. some people are in certain lines of work where it is an important aspect of it, but only because the construct of our society has made it that way. Right. But the more you can escape from those like binaries dichotomies and and sort of like these these structures that we've put in place. The happier you'll be like, trust me on that one. Um, And the more fun things are (laughs) Like that's the thing is that like like listen, uh, if you're watching t v and all you can get excited about are the are the pretty ladies on screen, if you just let go of the like oh, if I say that man is attractive, that makes me gay, and if I'm gay, then that's the worst possible thing that I could be if if you can get away from that and go, does it matter, what difference does it make, what difference does it make? if i am attracted to this guy or that guy or any of that sort of thing and then you get to to just enjoy so much more of media because you can be like man just put Oscar Isaac in anything; it doesn't matter to me. I'm there. I will show up on day one. <laughs> X Men Apocalypse, maybe not so much. Is you know you put him in a bunch of blue paint. You got the prettiest man on the planet, and you just you make him you make him grotesque, and then you don't even give him a good script to work with. Uh, I just, oh man, it's just the worst. But uh, but any other Oscar Isaac story, any other Oscar Isaac movie, TV show, whatever. I mean, like Marvel Genius, uh, uh, here's three Oscar Isaacs in one show and I'm just like thank you, thank you so much <laughs> every flavor. it's it's like it's like somebody saying like, hey, do you want potato chips and you and you're like, yes and they just they give you they give you barbecue ketchup and salt and vinegar. Ketchup, ketchup ketchup chips are a thing in Canada I know that you Americans don't have ketchup chips we have them here I think they have them in the UK and I think they have them in Australia uh, they have, everywhere else has has experienced the glory that is Never ketchup chips before. For, <laughs> for some reason you Americans can't get on board with this which is so interesting to me because ketchup is an American piece of like it's like it's Americana right like a hot dog, a 4th of July hot dog isn't a 4th of July hot dog without ketchup and mustard on it, right? Like, and, like I hate ketchup and mustard, but I, it, like, I respect the institution of ketchup and mustard on a hot dog on the 4th of July. Like, it's iconic. Like, like, it just, and yet you guys don't have ketchup chips. And here's the thing. Ketchup chips are the best chips. They're the best potato chips. All right. I love this tangent. <laughs> I this is the thing that's been on my list forever is to send I need to send ketchup chips to Matt Campbell. I I which like he's sent me so many care packages from Disneyland and he's the best and he's he is one of the best friends you could ever wish for. He is an amazing human being. I'm saying all of that. Cause I know that he'll listen to this at some point and he'll hear this and he'll hear how much I appreciate and love him. I, and, and he'll know that like, I think about this on a regular basis that I need to return the favor, but I'm not as good a friend as he is. So like, and that's something that I have to own, but I, 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 I've, I've thought about it many times and now I am realizing that Marty, I have to send you ketchup chips as well.
1: yes please at some point well at some point i'm not even the biggest fan of ketchup either like you know you were saying about fourth of july like for me it's like chili cheese dogs and mustard is the first thing i put on there but that's just me um but yeah and ketchups again take it or leave it Um, yeah i don't like
0: ketchup but ketchup chips don't taste like ketchup that's the thing
1: but i've never heard of ketchup chips before like before you gonna, i'm gonna let everybody
0: (laughs) in on a secret this it's gonna sound weird and they don't it sounds like they don't go together Ketchup chips, grape soda, and like, look, if all you can find is a grape crush, it'll do the job. But if you can find like a nice local beverage company up here, uh, we, we have a couple to choose from, uh, there, there, there's one called uh, pop shop, uh, that that's basically across Canada. That's really, really good. Um, uh, there's a, there is one out of, I, uh, I, out of like Seattle called Thomas Kemper, which I haven't been able to track down in a long time, but Thomas Kemper soda is some of the best soda on the planet. Oh my God. Thomas Kemper is so good. Uh, they, and they have a grape grape soda and ketchup chips. Uh, there are, there are a few, you could go to the fanciest Michelin star, blah, blah, blah. I don't care a bag of ketchup chips, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and a grape soda in particular, I'll be very specific here if people if people care. Old Dutch, which I you guys have Old Dutch down there? I think it's Old Dutch is a Canadian company. No. Okay, so Old Dutch makes chips. It's a it's a company that makes potato chips. And they their ketchup chips are the best ketchup chips. Their best ketchup chips. They you can get them in kind of three different it, there's they're regular just you know, like a regular standard fried potato chip, right? Um with ketchup flavoring. They have their baked ones, which are which are the next step up is the baked ones are very, very good. But the best ones are they have like these uh, like like rippled chips, like like ruffles sort of chips. And anytime you're talking about a flavored chip, a ruffle chip is always going to be better than a flat chip. It's just science. Uh, (laughs) uh, The ridges hold more of the flavoring. I don't care what your flavor is all dressed. I mean, all dressed is an abomination Are all dressed. The thing that you guys have, or is that a Canadian thing as well? I think all dressed might also be. A Canadian. So, thing. so I
1: just, so I'm doing as we're, as you're talking, I'm doing a Google search Yeah. and I, I'm, I'm seeing ketchup chips for the first time. I'm seeing all dressed chips for the first time. Okay. This is a whole new world. For all
0: dressed, all dressed are like basically all taking guts. barbecue. I, I, sour cream and onion and salt and vinegar and mixing it together into one chip there. I do not like them at all, but I think most of that is because I don't like sour cream and onion chips, which is like the, the most dominant flavor in that. So, um, interesting. But anyways, I, yeah, but, but yeah, I like you, you get, you get the, 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 the ripple ones, which I think they're, they're, they're like, I think it's called like extra or something like that. I can't remember what the specific like like Pringles, is called,
1: but... Old Dutch hers, Doritos even has a tangy ketchup but
0: yeah <laughs> yeah this man is... ketchup chips are so good how did we I still even recording? get on to ketchup chips I don't know you how were going to do know. an analogy
1: about bringing things together Um, anyway that's what I remembered I don't know I don't know I oh, was talking
0: about I was I was talking about like gendered identity Gender.
1: stuff. yes and yes somehow
0: i got into ketchup chips that just totally threw off whatever i was talking about before but <laughs> i i yeah i oh so it was like like yeah we, somebody bring you you say you want chips and they bring you three different flavors of chips and right. you're like this is the best like i didn't even have to choose right and that's what, like when you when, when i was talking about oscar isaac when you when there you open when you open up that perception and you don't let like like someone's going to judge me for feeling a certain way, you don't let that affect you. Then you're able to dig into all types of stories that you couldn't experience before. And you can experience them from new perspectives and you can open yourself up to new ideas and new experiences. And that to me is like, like star Wars is such a great opportunity to do that because we're already, we're already taking a, a big leap Right. Lightsabers, spaceships, Wookiees, right? Like the whole thing is ridiculous. So, you know, like relating to the story of a little girl as a, as a grown man in his late thirties, it's like, why not? (laughs) Right. Which is what you've been saying all episodes. Like, why not? Like, why would you stop yourself from any opportunity that you have to learn and grow in that way? And experience something new. Uh, it's silly to me. It's silly, but there, but there are a lot of men out there who think that they absolutely have to be this specific thing. They have to, and and only that one thing. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine living in that self-imposed prison because it is like no one is actually holding you to that, and uh whatever you discover about yourself and then express however you choose to express it there are people that will celebrate you so you know like i don't know if if that's a th- if that's a thing that you feel that you've been fighting against i'm giving you permission now to just like stop stop fighting it just let go let go of that it's like homer simpson when he sticks his hand up the vending machines, right? And he's stuck in those two vending machines. And they're like, have you tried just letting go of the chips? And then he lets go and then and then his hands come out, right? They're getting ready to like saw his arms off. And it's like, if you just let go of the potato chips, uh, uh, it all comes back to potato chips for some reason this episode. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man.
1: Are you hungry? I mean, it's kind of late, man.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I could go for some chips for sure. But I I but I could always go for and some have chips. For listen, them. this is the thing is that you've never had ketchup chips before, so you don't understand the gravitational pull of ketchup chips. once you start talking about them, but I don't have any grape soda, so I do have some grape Kool Aid, which will do in a pinch. But those bubbles, you gotta have the bubbles. I don't know what yeah. it is about bubbles, but they make they make drinks so much better, don't they? Except, except, except club
1: soda. soda. Yeah, club soda is the worst, but I have a problem with soda that I'm trying to wean off, but I it's hear hard. I hear you.
0: I hear you, but I, then I discovered that that uh, uh, Cherry Coke Zero exists, and then from there, that yeah. was the gateway. Because Diet Soda just never did it for me, but then Cherry Coke Zero is like the cherry overpowered the the aspartame aftertaste. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this, this is great. And then I tried... Uh, Dr. Pepper zero Dr. sugar. Best. Dr. Ooh. Pepper zero sugar just tastes like a Dr. Pepper. You guys, it just tastes like a Dr. Pepper. There is very little difference. Like if you put if you put them side by side, I would definitely be able to taste test them and and distinguish. But Dr. Pepper zero sugar is so close to the original that like, why, why bother with a Dr. Pepper which has so much sugar in it that's gonna rot your teeth and you know. Uh, give you diabetes whereas you could just have a dr pepper zero cherry zero sugar and it. it's like if I, if if i could if i could put some vanilla in that it would be like the best drink ever the best drink ever i, have a,
1: I don't know about the uh, up in canada but they have a couple over here they have uh, zero sugar for dr pepper zero sugar um cherry uh and then berry and that one is phenomenal and I can't find it anywhere since last year, so I think the it was orange? a it's, one. Yeah, so
0: that's like um, I, I orange vanilla Coke, which like yes, I was oh. so reluctant to try it, and I and I'm so mad at myself for ever ever holding back because the second that I had one, I was like, this is the best soda that's ever existed. Oh my god, dude.
1: Okay, so orange, uh, so that one actually tastes like a old Cuban. Uh, soda so for the people that don't know I'm Cuban uh, or at least Cuban descent I was born in Hollywood California (laughs) but um, (laughs) it's uh, very similar to what it's a soda even though it's called uh, iron beer but it's a it's a soda and it's the coke vanilla uh, orange vanilla it tastes exactly the same it's so good so 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 if you can find an iron beer out there there's your flavor uh, profile for that
0: it's so good so good uh yeah
1: oh boy you gotta finish this episode man
0: <laughs> oh we're done like that's the thing is that I think that we've talked about pretty much everything we, we get the scene at the very end the hello there but there's not really much to say that we kind of talked about it already
1: right but um,
0: and Qui-Gon and, uh, yeah I guess Qui-Gon uh, but this is the thing Qui-Gon's a foregone conclusion from the first episode you're like so sure. this ends yeah. the final scene of this is Qui-Gon and um, it, I, it's just you know what took you so long <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I it's it, it so, is. I mean, yeah. it is great. And and like I said, like like from that from that moment with Leia, uh, with uh, with Bail saying like we'll change we'll change them together, um, like that's when the emotions start overflowing from the whole series, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop all the way through the Qui Gon thing. I mean, like, um, like my I, my dad died. Uh, it'll be like two years ago this november and so like obviously the obi-wan series is like right dead center in my experience of that currently presently right um but it came very soon after losing my dad so the the connection on that level is like it's very strong there's that and um and ghostbusters afterlife at the very end of that movie oh man when when, when egon shows up at the end of that movie it's uh, like like those two things like i just like I, it is impossible it's impossible for me to uh i i experience either of these things without getting emotional because i just connect it with that because like that is obi-wan's father figure right i mean another great star wars book to read is master and apprentice um if you if you want more of obi-wan and qui-gon you get obi-wan and qui-gon you also get duku and qui-gon in that um mm-hmm. and uh I uh, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, that, that, Obi-Wan's my favorite character. We've talked about this, right? I mean, like, I think anybody who's been listening to me podcast about Star Wars for the last 15 years is fully aware of how much I love Obi-Wan. So everything in life relates back to Obi-Wan eventually. <laughs> it all comes back to Obi-Wan. In the way that it all comes back to Star Wars, it always all comes back to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I... And uh, and that like so that relationship between Obi Wan and and Qui Gon is a father son relationship, and so it transfers onto my relationship with my dad. So so seeing that at the end, it's like yeah, it's the 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 joy on Ewan's face at finally seeing Qui Gon is in such stark contrast to the beginning of the season of the series when he is almost angry that Qui-Gon hasn't yep. shown up, right? And then Qui-Gon being like, I was always here. You just weren't ready to see me yet. Like it was it it wasn't me. It was you. Like you you needed to get through this. And that is I mean like like when Bale says earlier I we can never repay you and he looks at Leia and he says she already she's already done that
1: this is what he's
0: talking about is that like that weight that was on him is gone. It's lifted. Um, And he's free. Right. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, and then Qui-Gon saying like, come on, let's go. We've, We've still got a long ways to go. It just, Oh, Star Wars is so good, man. Star Wars is so good. Like, and there are all these people that like, they just, and I know I griped a bunch about Andor in this episode, so I'm going to sound a little bit hypocritical by saying this, but like there are so many people that just want to tear this stuff apart. Um, the quality of Andor is never a problem for me. Andor is a great series and I can't wait for season two. It's, it's fantastic. It would be so much easier to dismiss Andor and I'd be less like frustrated by it if it weren't so damn good. That's the problem for me yeah. is how good it is. Um, like, it's really easy for me to dismiss Rogue One because Rogue One is, like, 60% of a good movie and then, like, that other 40% is just, like, sloppy. It's just sloppy. I don't think it's Gareth Edwards' fault and I don't think it's any of the actress' faults. I don't think it's even the writer's fault. I think it's, like, if Bob Iger got in there and was like, no, you can't make a movie like this. I think Rogue One was supposed to be way closer to Andor than it ended up. And... uh yeah, I- I uh, had it. It would have. I think I would have been a lot more jazzed by it. But and but at the same time, I would have been like, "This isn't very Star Wars." You know, they needed an alien sidekick. That's the thing. And every they you like. That is the thing that is missing in almost all of these shows.
1: Too many humans.
0: Book of Boba Fett is the only one that nails it because Chrysanthin is like he's there i mean like almost everybody that that Bulba surrounds himself with is a non-human right whether it's uh like his uh, droid i can't remember the droid is 8 8bd eight or something like that um the one the the uh, uh his his like his main butler droid right um and then the gamorians and you know like that show that show is so chock full of aliens it's great and i mean like the tuscans being being a major part of it all of that the, and yeah, right. it's a uh, It, uh, Boba Fett gets it. of Boba Fett gets it. These other shows don't get it as much. Like that stuff is. Even even the
1: mods, even the mods, even the mods, But but there's that Star Wars twist to them, and yeah. Um and it's the next generation where, you know, where yeah. before, you know, even in as you know, Return of the Jedi and whatnot, where we have, you know, lines like from Obi Wan saying, you know, he uh Vader is more machine than man, you know, as a bad thing, like the this is the next generation where they're accepting and actually like um you know, they're using their additions as, you know, like as a positive and um so it's like again, it's that Star Wars flip where you take something that could be considered a negative and turn it into a positive. Yeah, with totally. uh, with the mods. But um, anyway. um Yeah.
0: No, I yeah, like like I I and I, I'm excited for Ahsoka because we've got, I mean, Ahsoka herself is an alien, but I I Hera, you know yeah. we have got Huyang in it, we've got Hera in it, right? Like it's just, I don't know, man. I need I need my Star Wars to be colorful and diverse and full of things that. I can only imagine, and then bring them to life on screen. And Santo, he's, he's man, they've done Wookiee so many times, and they've even done Chewbacca poorly, right? Like in Revenge of the Sith, Chewbacca does not look like Chewbacca. He does not emote like Chewbacca. I'm so glad that for the sequels, they managed to recapture that and and, and Yuna Sootomo taking over for Peter Mayhew. Embodies that character so well, so so well. The his performance in the Last Jedi is a thing that nobody ever talks about, but it's so good, (laughs) it's so so good. Um, and that's those are big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively. Um, but then like Santo is just like, man, that the characterization of it, the 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 physical performance of it, and they figured out the key which is the eyes. I said this a lot when Joe and I were talking Mm -hmm. about Book of Boba Fett. It's, it is the eyes. You cannot have a Wookiee character if you don't have those eyes. Right? Like it, it it just like, that's what, that's what makes Chewy Chewy over any other Wookiee that we see is like, when we look into the, into those eyes, we see those, those blue eyes and the, Gentleness and the compassion and the love that Chewbacca has for his companions, like that's what makes Chewie Chewie. And and I mean like it, it's 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 Indiana, right? It's the it's the dog. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh it's George's co-pilot, and that's why that's there. That's why that comes through, and that's why George cast Peter Mayhew, and then why that character comes across the, the way that he does, and why we have the great moment in A New Hope of Han shooting back into the thing. It's like oh you big baby, right? Like, I, I, cause we need that moment of like, yeah, Chewbacca can rip your arms off, but he's also scared of things. Like he's also, he is actually just a big softy. He's a gentle giant. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, but then black chrysanthemum, it's like, we well, go the other way with it, but you just get, get just that incredible performance, but it's so much of it relies on the eyes right? And um, man, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm kind of vamping because I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the actor because I want to give him credit, but... Um,
1: yeah, I'm trying to type it up, too. <laughs> I told you.
0: It's, it's, it's like on the tip of my tongue. It's killing me. Um, That is the biggest thing of, like, Book of Boba Fett not going over as well, and it's, like and the idea that, like, like Chrysantin is is now tied to Boba Fett. And so if we don't get Boba Fett back in something, we don't get Chrysantin back. And like and I mean like I listen, I also want Tamora Morrison. Uh Carrie Jones is, is Jones, black yeah. Chrysantin. And um yeah, like it it is it is all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. Like that and the reason why we can end up connecting the to Chrysantin by the end of it and forgiving him and him becoming a hero by the end is because i mean an anti-hero he's a he's a little bit of a you know but
1: um, that's what's cool about uh, chrysanthemum is that he's basically like and the you know star star wars inherently is about found families and boca boba fett boba fett actually has a found family and it's a darker representation of like you know the original trilogy you know Han, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, the droids. It's like, you know, Dr. Aphra's flip with the droids of triple zero and BT one, you know, it's like, it's that darker, it's not like Sith or anything, but it's definitely like the darker edge of, uh, the found family trope. You know, that's why we have that, that beautiful moment at the end of Boba Fett where they're all together, you know, um, ruling Mos Espa and that, that final shot before they go see Mando. But, uh, yeah the eyes for sure Carrie jones well done
0: yeah totally uh and we're talking about book of boba fett for some reason on our on our (laughs) obi-wan kenobi finale episode we've talked about everything i mean we've talked about obi-wan quite a bit we've been talking for two and a half hours so um i think that's a good place to cut it i think that's a good place to end i it's going to be a bit of a break i think there might be a reason or two to come back. Oh, listen, there will be at the beginning of August. There will be a a fifteenth anniversary podcast episode that will be on this. It'll it'll be on all of the feeds. It'll go out on on every one of our uh, Star Wars podcast feeds um, because it, it it will be the fifteenth anniversary of the first episode of Frontlines, which I think is a is a big deal. So we'll, there will be something between now and ahsoka for sure because there'll be that there might be one other episode because there's a couple other things i'm kind of talking to people about um we might actually come back and talk about willow at some point soon as well i i because i'm working on a project with with ty black uh from wit and folly and we're doing a, a Willow zine. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get a couple of people to just talk about Willow a little bit and then talk about the zine just to kind of get get the word out about that. Um uh, as we get closer to the release of that. That's just something that I'm working on in the background. Um with them, well, with, with 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 Ty and, and a few other people. Uh, nice. yeah, so that's that's an exciting thing. Um but we we will be back at the end of August, two episodes season premiere of ahsoka and uh, and Joe will be back with me to do those recaps. So it'll be me and Joe talking Ahsoka, um and uh yeah, and then I'm sure like uh, skeleton crew is meant to be later this year, so uh we'll we'll have that as well, but uh, uh we'll have that, and uh. Yeah, go go check out Go Check Out Perfect 10 as well if you haven't listened to Perfect 10, which is uh sort of my it's it's we mostly talk about movies, but every episode I have a guest on and they bring their what they consider a perfect 10, which is not necessarily like a flawless movie or TV show or video game or whatever, but something that for you, like it's a perfect 10 is kind of a subjective thing. Um so examples of that would be like uh ferris bueller's day off is a perfect 10 movie the shawshank redemption is a perfect 10 i would consider obi-wan kenobi a perfect 10 for me personally i don't know if that's universal but for me it definitely is um and uh so we've done episodes on we just did an episode on raiders of the lost ark which is of interest to Lucasfilm fans um we did an episode on gargoyles scott pilgrim we did an episode on avatar um uh, blue cat avatar not uh not airbender avatar um and uh and and i at the end of this week it's out for patreon supporters but at the end of this week we'll have uh the um our next episode which is about the movie casanova the heath ledger film casanova that and that tie is on that episode uh, with me and it's a fantastic episode uh, I don't expect this movie to be for everybody. Um, I think that it's a very specific, uh, it's kind of, it's a niche within a niche, but um, I loved it so much. Ty obviously loves it because she brought it as her uh, second perfect 10. The first one was Heath Ledger in uh, A Knight's Tale. So I uh, <laughs> we got, we'll close it out with the, tr- the trilogy. We'll do 10 things I hate about you, but I, I, but yeah, I mean like we both love it so much when we talk about it. So I think even if you don't necessarily care for the movie that much, um, Hey, you know, if you've seen it and you didn't really like it, we might give you a new appreciation for it. Um, be, uh, if you haven't seen it, you want to listen to us talk about it. It might make you want to watch it. Um, if you like Shakespeare at all, I think it's worth it to, to give it a try. Cause it's got a very Shakespeare vibe. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, oh my god, the cast is unbelievable, man. Oliver Platt, so good, he's so good in it. I, man, it's a great movie, and Ty and I had a great conversation. So that's gonna be out um, on podcast feeds this Friday. And uh, yeah, but other than that, I mean, I, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break. I, I i need a little bit of a breather, life has been hectic, so I'll take a little bit of a break and then be back. Uh, we'll be back for the anniversary. And then uh, and then we'll be back for Ahsoka after that. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to anybody who supports us on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/thunderquack. Um, listen, if you want to hear me ramble about things like ketchup chips, uh, <laughs> Patreon is is a is a, is a good investment for you. Um, if you head over there, f- $5, it's, we have one tier, all of the bonuses, all of the rewards are available at the, at the one tier it's five bucks a month. Um, you can also pay that annually and get a, I think it's like a 15% discount or something like that, um, on the year. If you want to just pay it all up front and, uh, and you get, you get perfect 10 early, you get, uh, I do a bi-weekly podcast over there called off the record where, um, I just, I kind of just talk about pop culture or whatever. Right. It's, it's usually fairly topical. Like, uh, for example, I have to record one this coming Monday and it'll probably end up being about my adventures with Superman, which is the new Superman animated series. Um, cause that's a really great place for me to talk about that. And it is so good. So if you want to hear me talk about other pop culture stuff other than star Wars, but also star Wars, like, let's be realistic i'm going to talk about star wars too um then then that's the place um and perfect 10 also has a companion show that's a patreon exclusive called the perfect 10 pop quiz which for every topic that we do every episode that we release we do a pop quiz episode as well which is like a 10 question trivia podcast that tim dipple does and it's fantastic he's so good He's he's a he is a master of trivia. I it's it's a it's a it's a great little companion piece, and that's another one of the bonuses. Um, and the last thing that I'll plug is as as Twitter continues to burn um, and some folks choose to fiddle, I would like to get off of that platform, but I don't want to leave behind all of the people who I I you know I love interacting with. So. Um, we have a Discord server. We have a, a Discord server for ThunderQuack. We talk about Star Wars on it all the time. If you go to thunderquack.com Discord, it will forward you to the invite URL to join our Discord server. If you've never been on Discord before, I say check it out. It's basically um, a bunch of chat rooms. Uh, it's kind of, I kind of consider it like private Twitter. Um, so you don't like, it's just whoever is in the server and so far everybody in the server is pretty rad. And if somebody lame shows up, we'll kick them out. And when I <laughs> say lame, I mean somebody who's like a bigot or, you know, um, or, or an asshole or something like that. I like, we won't tolerate that sort of stuff. So it is, uh, it is a cool place to hang out. It is a safe place to hang out. And the people that are in there are some of my favorite people on the planet. So, um, so yeah, come hang out with us on discord. I, I come chat with us and that sort of thing. And if you are a Patreon supporter, there is a special section that is only for Patreon supporters. So, uh, so definitely do that. Come hang out with us and, uh, and talk about star Wars and Marvel and Disney and DC and everything. I mean, like we've got channels for Jurassic park for, uh, I, yeah, everything, everything. Um, cool uh thank you guys for listening Marty thank you for joining me on this journey to to talk about obi-wan Kenobi and uh, I I mean you'll you'll be around you well I'll, I'll pull you back in for other stuff um,
1: oh thanks for having but, me man so, I uh, yeah I appreciate uh, just the opportunity um I haven't done this very often so this is uh, relatively new territory for me i mean i don't have 15 years under me i got maybe maybe a year and you know uh a dozen you know in me but uh, i think i'm getting better at it so i appreciate you and and this has been a a blast for me i love just just the revisiting of the obi-wan series was just fantastic but then getting to talk to you and talking to uh, to you guys it's just been fantastic and getting the thoughts out there and it's uh, definitely a show worth revisiting and it was just fun to do that and appreciate you guys. Um, Thank you so much again. Um, But yeah, I'll see you guys whenever uh, Mike uh, gets me on again. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm sure there'll be an episode where Joe can't make it and I'll need somebody to sub in. So I, I, yeah, you're on, you're on the list, man. I awesome. Awesome. I, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective. I hope everybody enjoyed it and, uh, and we'll, we'll see you again in the in the future in the near future uh for the anniversary episode and for ahsoka uh thank you for listening we'll see you next time thank you for listening to thunderquack force perspectives our opening theme is composed for us by christy carew follow force perspectives on twitter instagram and facebook at force pov and join us on discord at thunderquack.com discord Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com/thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.
1: up chips for life.